It's the movie time. Halloween spooktacular. <laughs> Hello, boils and ghouls. It's your old pal, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> and it's my favorite time of fear, shock. October, which means my good fiends here at Pop Zara Podcast wanted to wish you a happy Halloween. Here is Pop Zara's Halloween spooktacular episode. May all your screams come true. <laughs> What's up? Welcome back, everybody. Happy Halloween. It is the Pop Zara Halloween Spooktacular Podcast. That's right. Once a year, we recycle what didn't work, and we're chopping it up and sending it back. This is Nathan Evans, managing editor of PopZara.com. On this spooky podcast, we have our regular movie guys, Ethan Bram and Christian. Christian, where are you? You're in the background laughing. Christian Sterling. Hey, how's it going? See, look at that. (laughs) So what did you guys think? You like our little intro? Yeah, that was <laughs> insanely cool. That was great. I was, I was grinning the whole time, trying not to laugh out loud yeah. and ruin it. <laughs> I told you it was a nice little surprise. So even uh, even dead puppets like listening to the Bob Sarr podcast. So why aren't you? But um, special thanks to John. Thank you for John for doing that. Appreciate it. Uh, Boys and Ghoul. I can't do it. He's really good at that, by the way. I don't know how yeah. he does that stuff. Pretty good after 30 years. But anyway, we, uh, this is the Halloween Spooktacular. We do it every year because... Why not? Everyone else does it. We are too. Uh, special two-part episode. Uh, we have another section special for Asian-themed horror with our own Ev Wong and special guest E.M. You're going you're gonna to like it. I'll link to it in the show notes. If you like Japanese horror, if you like Korean horror, I think there's maybe some Chinese horror, but that's, that's just like redundant if you think about it. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. But uh, Ethan, Christian... Thank you guys once again for joining us. Uh, let's have a little bit of fun with this because Halloween's coming. A lot of scary movies, a lot of spooky stuff, and yeah. Last year we had a whole bunch of stuff and it kind of got muddled and we had special guest stars and we had all that stuff, but let's keep it simple this year. Let's let's pick out a few films that we think are notable for being spooky and for horror or maybe a little bit of comedy. And let's go from there. Let's get it started. So Ethan, you're up first. Yeah. So what's going on? So what do you got this year? First one I want to talk about is a uh, movie from 1945 called Dead of Night. It's an anthology movie, and it was kind of like it came out at a time when um, it's not the first horror anthology or portmanteau as as they can be called. But in 1945, when it came out, there hadn't really been one in 20 years. Um, This is a movie that I believe has four different directors. And the reason why it's also notable, and it kind of has this enigma, is because it was also one of the only horror movies in general in the 1940s in Britain because they had, I guess, kind of not, I guess they didn't ban horror at that time, but at the same time, they they well, highly... Um, they were going through a little World bit of War stuff. II. I was going to say, they're going yeah. through a little stuff. So 
Yeah, during World War II, they didn't really want horror. As the same uh, at the same time, like just as uh, I think under Mussolini's rule in Italy, they he banned horror movies. It was just strange. People didn't really know, you know, they didn't. I don't know what the whole thought process was back then. But nonetheless, we got. Uh, fortunately, we got uh, um, Dead of Night, which today I don't know if either of you guys have seen this one, but um, it's kind of uh, iconic in the sense that it pretty much single-handedly inspired every horror anthology that came after it in the 60s and 70s obviously we have um uh well even before that we have like alfred hitchcock presents and the twilight zone and then and obviously alfred hitchcock had his had his big toe in the in what was going on in britain even though he was at hollywood at the time but in the 60s and 70s this british studio called amicus had a series mm-hmm. of anthology movies that um, I think they had five they end up coming out with. The first of which was Doctor Terror's House of Horrors, with like uh, Christopher Lee was in that movie. And um, hey, didn't Amicus become Hammer, or they're related, aren't they? Ooh, uh, maybe. Yeah, I think they were. I think they might have been under the same umbrella. Maybe that's a good question. I should have. I should have. You uh, should have. Let's 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 all pause. Well, well, Ethan yeah. does his homework now. Yeah, well, and, and also amongst those were uh, Tales from the Crypt, mm-hmm. uh, which was, I think it came out in 72. I think that yeah. was maybe the last of the, the Amicus uh, bundle. But the first one, Dr. Ter- uh, Terror's House of Horrors, was directly inspired by Dead of Night. He, The guy, based, the director, basically, he's like, I want to create my own Dead of Night. Like, I've seen it for years, and, and I want to make my own. So he made his own, and it was Dr. Terror's, and then that turned into all these other... Uh, anthology and obviously tales from the crypt um you know inspired a bunch of stuff after that yeah the- but yeah so this was like the first one there was one in there were one or two in the 20s that were like silent anthologies but they were more so uh it wasn't really i think the framing story was a little bit different i i hadn't seen i hadn't seen any early ones this is the oldest one i'd seen for sure but yeah it's really cool this for it for uh there's the most famous segment out of this is about a uh, ventriloquist and his dummy who can talk and like the whole vignette you're like is he really uh alive or is it the guy making him talk and it's this whole thing it's uh the ventriloquist played by michael redgrave who was in hitchcock's the lady vanishes which is like probably his most famous role um also in the lady vanishes were um these two actors um their names they and they were uh, uh basil Redf- radford mm-hmm. and uh Naunton wayne who they reprised their roles from the lady vanishes in 1938 in dead of night in a different short which was about this golf these two golfers they play these two golfers who one of them dies and then comes back and haunts his friend it's like really out of you ever but you ever notice like every horror anthology show and movie and tv show always has a ventriloquist episode yeah well that in one and they say that this was like the og one this was like the one that kind of it was so popular in britain at the time that like people kind of started getting enamored with this idea of like the ventriloquist coming to life oh um you know yeah it's really good i don't know have you guys seen this one no i've heard of it i've heard i've i have yeah, the Amicus stuff I'm a big fan of, but I haven't I haven't gone back to 1945 yet. But uh, but yeah, you're right yeah. about the about the um, the tales from the crypt thing too. Is like there's something about those cheesy like I don't want to say cheesy in a bad way, but those like 70s anthology horror things, and there were so many of them. Oh yeah, but, and they're all good, even the bad ones. Yeah, and they're fun. And and the thing about anthology movies that you can have one stinker, and then the next one like one short that's it. You're like, okay, that one's not good. It's over in 20 minutes. You got another one. 
and this one, you know, it has it has highlights, lowlights, but there's this weird congruity to the whole thing. There, the framing story is about this, which is actually, I, th- I think, the coolest part. The framing story is about this, um, I think he's like an, uh, an architect, and he goes to this cottage out in the countryside, and he gets into the house, and he's like, I recognize every single one of you. I, it's like I've dreamt this moment before, and then he's going through, he's like, no, this is going to happen next, and then it happens, and then like stuff that he could never plan. And then um, and they all kind of buy. They're all like, okay, cool. Yeah, we believe you. Except there's this one psychiatrist there. He's like, this is all a bunch of malarkey. But then you go through, and everyone's like, no, no, no. I, I, this makes sense that this would happen. And then they tell their story. And then each person tells is telling one of these different shorts, and it's really cool. And the framing story really ties it together. And I think that's, in my opinion, it's the highlight. The ventriloquist thing's really cool too. But yeah, I mean, this was, and it was also a, a really early example of a circular narrative that we see in like, you know, like Pulp Fiction or something like that. And this was 60 years earlier. This was like one of the earliest first times we'd ever seen something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely recommend seeing Dead of Night. I think it's, uh, especially if you're into horror and like horror history, uh, I think you gotta, you gotta um, try this one out for sure. You know, quick, um, is it available on streaming or? Oh man. Um, I'll tell you right now. Um, I watched this a while ago, so. <laughs> you know what's funny? With your movies, Ethan, you love dipping back in time. Like, some of your movies that you have to go to YouTube to find, and hopefully somebody <laughs> hopefully yeah. somebody uploaded something. Also, if you go to uh, ok.ru, um, it's Are you? Uh, an overseas, I think it was a Russian. Yeah, if you, if you ever go to a website called ru, be very careful. <laughs> Just be careful. <laughs> oh, it's on Canopy. That's where I watched it. Okay. Um, Dead of Nights on Canopy. So if you have a library card um, um, and your library has canopy, boom, mm-hmm. you got it. There you go. So, yeah. All right. What's what's next? Something a little more recent, a little more modern. What do you got? Oh, you want something a little more modern, do you? Oh, okay. I'm, oh, I'm joking. Um, so. <laughs> I got something from 1953. Woo! It's a little movie called House of Wax starring none other than Parasultan? Vincent Price. No, not Paris. No, they did do a remake. I think it was like 0506. They did a remake of House of Wax. Yeah. Um, this is the original with Vincent Price. It kind of like revived. He kind of got like a second life. I think this was the one that kind of sparked it. Um, also, a really early role for Charles Bronson. Um, he plays like this mute, uh, like really burly guy. Um, he's kind of like the, he plays a, a henchman named um, Igor for. Uh, Vincent Price's character who is a very artistic sculptor and he has like a wax museum and uh, and then it gets he has his partner his business partner and um, it's actually kind of like the strangest motive ever the, the the business partner he basically is trying to commit insurance fraud so he burns down the wax museum and then Vincent Price gets caught in the fire the reason why he wants to burn down the wax museum is because he wants to afford to take his girlfriend on a trip. It's the most absurd motive ever, but nonetheless, um, Vincent Price comes back, and then you you soon find out that he starts murdering people and then using them to replace um, his uh, wax figures in in his museum. Um, It's definitely uh, got a cool vibe to it, I will say, like the last, the final act, like a little anticlimactic. You, the best part, the suspense stuff, um, in like the second act is really, I think, the highlight here. I'm trying to figure out like what's going on. Um, 
but yeah, it's 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 uh it never really tries to hide. There's like a twist that comes later at the end, but there's a couple early on. They never really try to hide it. Um, but Vincent Price, if you like Vincent Price, uh, mm-hmm. I think you really got to watch this. This is a, a really it's it's pre predates you know like the House at Haunted Hill, um, the Fly and all those. But how many how many comebacks did Vincent Price have? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they did like Edward Scissorhands in the night the 90s um yeah i mean vincent price is so cool and his thing is that he always basically played the same exact character but uh it was always he he just had like this really awesome look he had this really awesome voice Mm -hmm. and uh he wasn't even like a fantastic actor but he just like uh was able to kind of like embed himself in these really strange um roles these strange movies like the tingler is another one he had a pretty good uh, 1980s too like like a last like last hurrah he was in a bunch of stuff in the 19 you know before he passed away including yeah including thriller by michael jackson so no that's true yeah that's, yeah that's, yeah it's a good point and, and he also uh he was in, he inspired um uh man what's his name his role from fright night too uh man the Which, guy from planet of the apes I mean, uh, uh, oh, I know you're talking about the guy. Uh, oh, yeah. what's his name? He 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 was in he, he was in all the apes movies, all of them. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he Roddy McDowell. The, the Roddy McDowell. Yeah, Roddy McDowell. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. He inspired. Yeah, so Roddy McDowell's character in Friday Night was inspired by Vincent Price. He was like a uh, an offshoot of do, that. But do you think the yeah, Keeper, also cool. Do you think the Crypt Keeper was inspired by my, Vincent Price too? Like, if you think about it, That's a good like, question. I don't know, like those horror maestros that sort of introduce things and become sort of a guide. Yeah. When did uh when was the first hit uh Crypt Keeper appearance? It was like early eighties, uh, right? Well, like the one we know, the one you know <clears throat> you know, on the show <clears throat> was yeah. uh I think nineteen eighty nine or ninety on HBO when the show came out. Oh was that like, the okay. Yeah, that version of it. But you know, that version mm-hmm. itself is Yeah, because like, visually that he existed before he was in like the comics and stuff, but Yeah, yeah. Just, just skeleton. Uh, um, but you know, it's Yeah. I don't know. I, I like having a I, I think there's something with horror, whether it's Vincent Price or Elmira or or whoever Elvira. Yeah, I like having a host, and I think that makes it a lot more fun and invite like a party. It's so old school, and it's like um, it definitely yeah, like a party exactly. Like I love watching, uh, even if it's not horror. Um, there's this old USA show called Up All Night with uh, oh, yeah. what's her name, um, and she was awesome. She was hysterical, and she didn't always. She usually didn't do horror movies. It was like you know stupid rom coms and like stuff that was like super cheesy, like B movie, C movies. But um, yeah, just this like, really cool energy that comes from having someone you're like watching it with almost. Who's um, the Who's the redneck yeah. guy that was big in the nineties? Oh, um, uh, what's his name? But uh, uh, Joe Bob Briggs. Joe Bob Briggs and uh, William yeah. Shatner did one too. Did you know that? Did William, he really? Yeah, William Shatner did one. It wasn't a good fit well, for him, but he did it. He did it anyway. And Gilbert Godfrey, Gilbert Godfrey did the one was on Up All Night before. Um, geez, what's her name? I can't even remember her name. Rhonda Shear, that was her name. Rhonda Shear. Um, yeah, there's yeah. so many. There's so many of these people, and they're and they're all kind of beloved. And it's, yeah, it's so weird. Like not a lot of scandals though. Just pretty beloved for horror people. Yeah, very cool. Uh, but yeah, so I apologize. But yeah, they did make the they remade this with Paris Hilton, and that the whole attraction was watching her getting killed. <laughs> yeah, I, at the time it was uh, kind of like infamous. The movie was, but over over the years, I think it's kind of had it gained its its following. I think people there are people out there who the really like one? that movie. The new one, yeah, the new one, the new one. Yeah, um, I actually haven't seen the new one, but 
God, they made so many of those things back in the truth. Remember the early 2000s? Everything was oh, coming yeah. out. Just everything. Cheap. House of Haunted Hill was another one mm-hmm. that got remade. Everything got Somewhere. remade, everything. And uh, most were pretty bad, but they yeah. made them. It happened. Yeah. So, okay, uh, let's let's move forward. So after House of Wax, what do we got? Yeah, so we got this 1980 movie called The Private Eyes, um, directed by a guy named Lang Elliott. And this was, I think, his first. He, he was a producer, but this was his first directorial effort. And it was co-written by Tim Conway, and it was the last of six appearances between of uh, Don Knotts and Tim Conway. They co-starred in this, and it was actually, I think, um, Don Knotts's final uh, like starring role. Um, also, a bit of trivia: uh, Roger Corman's production company mm-hmm. was at New World Pictures. Uh, this was his uh, biggest box office uh, hit as under his tenure under for New World. Um, so that's kind of a cool uh, bit of info as well. Um, basically, it, it's a it's super uh, derivative. It's so ridiculous. It's so silly. Um, I I mentioned a movie last year called two movies. Like one called Cat in the Canary, twenties mm-hmm. movie that kind of inspired this whole haunted house uh, subgenre. And then also I also mentioned Haunted Honeymoon, uh, which came out in nineteen eighty six. That one kind of is along the lines of this, just super silly, definitely comedy over um, horror uh, or even like spookiness. But this does have a pretty cool mystery. It's light on horror, but it's also kind of light on comedy because it's not super funny. But it's just, it's definitely made for fans of Don Knotts and Tim Conway. In 1980, you had like movies like Caddyshack and, and like Meatballs had just come out, uh, you know, Animal House a couple years prior. Like the comedy uh, was getting kind of overhauled by these new edgy writers and, and directors. And you had a movie called The Private Eyes, which was definitely had its. It's a uh, mind on like old school, like mm-hmm. laughing, like, like rolling their eyes is like has them, you know, people are laughing hysterically when someone like the Jerry Lewis school of comedy, uh, madcap stuff. But um, nonetheless, you got these two guys, uh, they're detectives. They come to this haunted house, uh, this um, this mansion and um, where these the two, the husband and wife got murdered and they're trying to investigate the murder, why they got murdered who murdered them and um you know maybe one of them is is back from the dead as a ghost and he's killing off the the staff now so um yeah uh it definitely favors the madcap over the plot but uh i think as a halloween romp though um it gets the job done the mansion itself has like secret passageways cobweb hallways the hooded figure like giallo's type stuff um, you know, there's portraits on the walls with the eye holes cut out so that people can like spy in the rooms. Like it has all that kind of stuff. Um, I think I think it's kind of a good uh, spiritual successor to the Don Knotts, the first Don Knotts appearance in Scooby Doo. He also has like that deer skin cap um, in that episode too. Uh, that's a, definitely a better um, uh, piece of entertainment. But uh, this is definitely worth watching if you're a Don Knotts fan. That's what I was going to say. I was going to ask you, um, and Christian, I heard you laughing before, too. Um, do you guys have any, like, have you ever noticed, like, there's no Don Knotts in our culture anymore? <laughs> like, I don't mean to be rude, but it's like, how can someone be so successful on some of the most successful TV shows in yeah. history and just fade? Yeah. Like, there's no Don And he Don was like Knotts. a Disney guy, too. He was like the Tom Hanks, like, you know how Tom yeah. Hanks is in all the Disney stuff? Now? He was like that in the, the 70s, like 60s they're, and 70s. They're talking about remaking, like, The Incredible Mr. Limpet which I hope they don't touch with a 10-foot pole. But it's like, I mean, the guy was on, the guy had a renaissance with Three's Company, and he had all yeah. this stuff, and just Don Knotts just disappeared. Just disappeared. I don't I don't get it. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, he he. I mean, and I don't know if you've seen the Scooby Doo. He had two episodes on the Scooby Doo movies. <laughs> um, they're both really fun. The first one is definitely all Don Knotts. It's him just doing different disguises and trying to like confuse the mystery gang. Yeah, it's 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 those are cool episodes. But um, yeah, Private Eyes. It's not for everybody. It's definitely eye rolling itself. Uh, but there are, it has some cool uh, like spooky stuff for if you want just like a really easy halloween movie that you're just not you know look set the bar low throw this on and it's got some cool uh, atmospheric stuff and uh cool set pieces well i like tim conway too so i mean it's always good yeah. to see him back so you know when he's not playing golf sorry yeah. like I'm, there's no re- i have like no reference points like don Knotts and tim conway it's like oh my goodness it's just i haven't heard those names in a long time they're back from the dead yeah, Conway had a, a Scooby Doo episode too. Um, not okay. quite as good as the Don Knotts one, but like Scooby Doo, like everybody in the seventies was either on Scooby Doo or Gilligan's Island. You know yeah, that, or, or Love Boat, or, or Love Boat, or like that's what happened. You got rotated out. Like, like you need yeah. a check. Um, oh my goodness! All right, so moving forward, what's next? I know you only got a couple left. <laughs> yeah, so I got another movie from nineteen eighty. Which, if you put these two, if you watch the double feature of The Private Eyes and this next movie, you'd be like, there's no way these are from the same year. They're definitely from the same year. Um, this one's called Terror, Tra- Terror Train um, from 1980. It's, um, it, you know, following John Carpenter's Halloween in 1978, like the floodgates opened up for a whole new style of, of horror movie um, and one that would be like copied to no end throughout that decade. Um, in 1980 alone, you had like a ridiculous number of slashers. You had Friday the 13th, Prom Night, Maniac, uh, New Year's Evil, Christmas Evil. Um, my personal favorite, though, is Terror Train. I, I actually really think this is one of, is probably one of my favorite horror movies. Definitely of the 80s, maybe ever. Um, I think it's just brilliant. It's basically about this, these, uh, this frat and, uh, they do this like you know this graduation night on a train like a grad night type of thing and it's like a party on a train it's a costume party though and they're all or as or maybe it's a new year maybe it's a new year's party but either way it's their senior year and they're celebrating and um they have costumes on and uh at the beginning of the movie though you see a few years a few years prior uh this this kid gets bullied really badly um like really really badly and uh and then so this whole time you're like okay it's this this kid is is going to be the killer right like years later it's going to be this kid so you're watching the movie and you're trying to figure out and then and then uh throughout the movie he kills somebody he takes their costume and then he dresses up so the killer has a different costume throughout the whole movie so like it's really cool to see it them confuse him confuse the characters and confuse uh, the audience even um jamie Lee curtis is in this too um she's pretty much the main character um and she was i mean obviously she had like four movies this year they're all horror movies um yeah and oh this is also i think it's the only acting role ever by david copperfield where he's not playing himself um and he's showing like legit tricks um on camera like close up and grandiose and um at one point you think he's the killer um it's really a cool movie i don't know if you guys are familiar with terror train um it's got a really really eerie tone to it like it's really creepy like there are parts in this movie where there's the director uh man what's the guy's name who directs it it's uh um, Rod- roger spottiswood oh roger spottiswood yeah, yeah. so the, i guess the producer um daniel grodnick he had a dream one night 
Um, so he watched a double feature of Halloween and Silver Streak. And he woke up in the middle of the night and said to his wife, what do you think about putting Halloween on a train? And she said, that's a terrible idea, basically. And so he jotted down the idea, the, the title, Terrible Train, and he wrote a 22-page spec script the next morning. And he made a deal with, with um, this other producer that same day. And that's where this movie came from. But, um, but, but you know what's funny thing is, like, there's a huge history of, te- of horror on trains in yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, well, Hitchcock <laughs> would love trains, right? Yeah. Um, so. I mean, Agatha Christie or what? what's that movie? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Murder on the Orient what, Express, too. Well, yeah. Christian, um, did you see that, Brett? What was the movie that came out this year? What was the train movie? Oh, yeah, Bullet Train. Was it Bullet Train? Bullet Train. Was, yeah. it good? was it any good? It was very entertaining. I, I dug was it. It was good. Okay. Yeah, it was a fun one. Okay. Definitely. Yes. I didn't see it yet. but um, You wrote that one up, right, Christian? Did you do I can't remember. Um, I don't I don't think I did, no. You might have missed that was a fun one, though. Yeah, that was a really fun one. Um, it was good seeing Brad Pitt back after. That was his first one since like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think. You know, yeah, it's got a lot of action, like comedy. It's just, yeah. it's just, and it's fun. Nah, and you know, good, yeah, good violence, good as well. mystery. Oh, yeah, you got a good mystery too. Yeah. I, I, I forgot who directed it, but I was in the theater. Like, oh my goodness, it feels like ten years ago, and they had a trailer for that one movie. And when they said the title of the movie, I don't think I've ever heard more laughter in a theater. And it was Midnight Meat Train. Do you remember that? Oh, no. I've never seen this one. Who made Midnight Meat Train? Now you got me crazy. Let me see. It's <laughs> no. a real movie. And it, it's that sounds like a trauma thing. or like 2008? Oh, my goodness. Let me see who made it. Oh, it's Japanese director starring uh, Bradley Cooper. Really? Yeah. Midnight and Ted Raimi. Train? Midnight Meat what Train. What studio is this? Uh, Lionsgate. Wow. Mid- it's just the way they said it so seriously. Midnight Meat Train. And it's... You gotta. I the movie's doomed. You've lost yeah. me. I love the title, by the way. I just, but you know, it sounds like a like a softcore horror movie <laughs> or something. <laughs> just, it's too funny for life. But yeah. Brad, but Bradley Cooper was in it before, um, before, uh, you know, Hangover. Yeah, before Hangover. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Terror Train's cool. Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple veteran actors in it too. Ben Johnson. Um, he's kind of a highlight. He's the conductor. Uh, unlike a lot of slashers too, like the killer seems to have like personal limits or like principles. Like he only really targets those who were involved with the incident um, three years prior. Um, so he kind of becomes calculated, but then uh, like kind of like like a magician almost. Like the movie intentionally shows us its hand while setting up the illusion just outside of like where we where our vantage point. You know, um, so like the murder is hiding in plain sight. Um, and it kind of allows the filmmakers to develop him casually um, instead of like us kind of being divorced from his character. It's really a cool movie, not just like for the gore and like the slash slasher stuff, but it's got like this really, really artistic touch to it that I think is um, um, not really present in a lot of those like early slashers. Can I uh, make a note? Because I was actually looking up. That's who I knew the director was. I was looking up Roger Spotswood like two years ago. I was mm-hmm. going through stuff. Um, here's a little fun fact for you. This guy may have like the most divisive filmography in Hollywood history. Like if you look at his stuff, like he's got really good movies and really bad ones. Turner and Hooch. <laughs> yeah. Like stop he, or my mom will shoot. Oh my he, goodness. This guy. Yeah. The sixth day. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. And then Best he, of- and then he went to like Asia. And so it's, uh, yeah, he's, it's what we call diversity. He, and this was his debut. Yeah. Yeah. His debut. 
So, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you like '80s horror, I think this is one of the best. Personally, um, it's it's got a really good. The, well, at one point, the killer wears a Groucho Marx mask, and it's <laughs> the best. It's like the best shot in the whole movie. It's it's pretty. It's like the most famous shot in the movie, I'd say. He um he worked a lot with Walter Hill and Peckinpah, right? And you know, if you if you're used to those guys, and you're used, you know, how violent things can be. And yeah, so it's yeah. Roger Spottiswood doing his thing. Yeah. So, okay, moving forward. So you got one more on the list? What, what is it? I got it? one more here. I got one here. It's, it's also from the 80s from 1982. It's called Trick or Treat. Um, there's a movie in 1986 called Trick or Treat, and there's a movie from last year that I talked about from 2007 called Trick or Treat. This is Trick or Treat. Mm-hmm. So it's from 1982. It definitely, like, if you look at the poster, it's definitely strangely similar to and equally as misleading as the chopping mall poster i think (laughs) um with the bag and there's like a little it looks like there's a head inside um trigger treats is it takes place on halloween night um but it is not a good movie by any means however it's um it's a really fun watch um the besides the awful acting which is hysterical uh the production design is really good um, and there, it's like one of those movies where it's, it feels like there are two directors. There are certain sequences that are not that don't take place in like the main plot. Like they take place at like their cut scenes or whatever. And they're like really, really artistically almost brilliant. And then there's the main plot, which takes place in this like babysitters watching this like terror of a child. Um, it's like just that's just downright awful. Um, this little boy, he like uh, it's 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 definitely inspired by Halloween again. Um, it's about this little the beginning of the movie. This uh, woman has her husband wrongfully convicted to a mental in- mental institution. So we see him struggling with the the dudes from the loony bin in the first scene. Really good scene, actually. And then the rest of the movie takes place years later, and uh, you find out that the dad has escaped from the loony bin, um, uh, as they call it, and uh, you know he's on his way back. And takes the inexplicably takes the entire length of the movie to make it back to um, his home where this little boy is. Um, and the little boy is awful. He's like the real villain here, I think. Um, he's well, yeah. obsessed with magic. Throughout the entire movie, he does these like magic based. I didn't realize this also has a magic theme uh, to go along with my last one. Um, he does these magic themed uh, <laughs> like uh, tricks, pranks uh, with the babysitter. Um, and she's just like not buying it. Um, there's some really awesome screenshots of this and, and yeah, like the, the, the magic tricks make for some really cool sets. Uh, and the girl, I guess she's like a, a B movie editor. So she like works for this editing firm and they have one cut sequence where they cut to like, she's on the phone with like her friends at the studio and they're like making this, uh, like schlocky horror movie. And they like show like five minutes of that movie. It's so weird. This is a very strange movie, um, but it's definitely. It also definitely has the most trick or treating scenes I've ever seen in a single film. Uh, just throughout the night, just people keep coming to the door and, and asking for candy, and it doesn't relate to anything. Well, that's 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 who you know who to kill. They keep asking for candy. <laughs> exactly. You know what's funny? Um, I had heard about this movie because I think you had actually mentioned it before, but mm-hmm. you got to look up the director, Gary Graver. Because this guy has a... St- I want to see a movie about Gary Graver. Because this guy was the cinematographer for 
both Orson Welles and Steven Spielberg and then made porno films. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. He did. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was. He did work with Orson Welles. And Spielberg. Oh, and, and, Spielberg. and Spielberg. What did he do for Orson Welles? Uh, he actually, uh, he was actually cinematographer to that unfinished movie, The Other Side of the Wind, that just got re-released. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then he did, uh, I think he did Always with Spielberg and other things. But, uh, Eating Raul. Yeah, and then he did porno after that. Well, well, like I said, some of the, some of the, like, some of the camera work, camera work here is actually, like, really, really crafty. And he, mm-hmm. he gets some good stuff out of the lens, I think, and especially that opening scene. The, there's, like, some really, really good cut scenes. Um, but just the movie as a whole, like the narrative of it, mm-hmm. the storyboard of it is just really, really weak. There's the body count is literally at two and they both occur at like the last yeah, but, two minutes of the movie. But what do you expect from that poster though? You look at that poster and you know that poster is a sack of lies. Like, you know, oh, yeah, it. it's, it's a total VHS era. Like we got to get butts in the seats. Like you said, like yeah. a chopping, mo- like we should do a, a feature yeah. just on misleading horror posters. from the 80s. <laughs> Yeah. It'd be all, yeah, all those like drive-in movies from the fifties. Cause it's selling that that that's yeah. it's selling a different movie, but um yeah, that's Roger Corman right there too. Yeah, yeah. No, the post is really good. I yeah. mean, the post is great. the head, the ear popping out of the crack in the box, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's definitely a good movie if if you're into if you again want willing to set the bar a little lower and just have and this. I'd say of all these is probably the best to watch on Halloween. Um, just as like a really fun. Oh. Um, uh, background. I know you're a little, you're a little bit younger, uh, Christian. I don't know. Did you grow up in Australia, right? So, did they have an equivalent to like USA Today late night, like a Cinemax thing, where they would just have channels full of schlock, and it would play like around eleven, and they sometimes they show boobs. Ah, they'd always show boobs, but you know, just crappy movies, like low budget crap that you love to watch because there's just nothing to it. That's a good question. Um... You know, I mean, I don't really know the answer to that. I mean, there was, there was always like late night stuff. I mean, I remember like back mm-hmm. in the day they showed the old like Nightmare on uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, they did a whole bunch of them like really late at night. I remember there was a, a thing on it because uh, I'm from Queensland, and back in the day, Nightmare mm-hmm. on Elm Street Part Three was uh, was illegal. Oh, yeah. You couldn't watch it. What? I remember it was a the big best oh, really? one. Yeah. The best one. Wow. Yeah, it was. Uh, you had to travel interstate, but I remember the the when it became like when that was lifted, uh, they did like a whole. I think they did them back to back one night. Uh, in Queensland, at least. Uh, but as for like just in general, I'm sure there were there would have been. Remember, I don't. I couldn't really answer that. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, like um, they used to, like Cinemax used to run these things so much they call them Skinemax. But like mm-hmm. it was USA Channel. Um, there was like TBS. I think after like ten o'clock, it was just crap. Like trauma stuff, like Toxic Avenger, Chopping Mall, just garbage, just unrepentant garbage that was awesome. <laughs> Like slumber party massacre. I mean, yeah, all of them. Like sleepaway camp. You you know just oh yeah, just Great cheap stuff. stuff. It probably didn't cost anything for them to do it. You know, but because you know they just probably got them on VHS. But it was great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I grew up, like in Australia, like in the eighties, we didn't have very many uh, TV channels. I mean, we had like uh, I think it was like four main ones, and one of them was really like sort of like the ABC. So uh, yeah, TV was pretty boring in Australia growing up, to be honest. <laughs> Did you guys have a? Did you? Go, I know they have in Britain. I think I don't know if you just mentioned it, but do you guys have the Hello Nasty videos or like the the video the video nasties video nasties? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hello, I'm sorry. Yeah, did you have Beastie Boys? Beastie Boys. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Did you good fight for that. your right to party? Um, no, I mean, but you know, I think that's a good enough segue. Uh, Ethan, you're done. You're basic. It's time to move on. So, Christian, hopefully you can bring us into the the new century. Hopefully you can. Uh, <laughs> 
you can give us something <laughs> oh, yeah, that, within that's our life first and then christian like kind of like we do chronologically <laughs> yeah but, but yeah. no i'm not making fun but like the you there's some pretty good picks and like I, I recommend anybody uh if you're looking for a good time check out the amicus films or the hammer films especially the ham like the latter day hammers with christopher lee um you're gonna have a good time there's just the, yeah. the worst thing by are, the way the better trigger, they are trigger treats uh two is available on Tubi for anyone who Tubi? wants to watch that one um Tubi, uh, it's free so yep oh, got awesome. and uh and I think Terror Train is on. I want to say it's on Prime. It was at least. Oh no, it's on Roku. So if you, oh, it's also on Tubi. So you, both of those are on Tubi. So check those out. Yeah, Roku's uh, Roku's becoming a thing, isn't it? Like it's becoming yeah. a. They're they're getting some interesting stuff coming out. Not I'm not just talking about the Weird Al thing, but yeah, it's looking pretty good, which I want to see. So all right, Christian, your pick. So what are your spooky picks? Yeah. Before before I say, I just want to jump in. Even though like Ethan, I have very different tastes. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> in, in horror movies and different generations. I, I I love the fact that uh, he's got like he loves all the older stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, just uh, it's really interesting uh, me listening to it because a lot of stuff I've never seen or heard of. But um, <laughs> you know, it's no, I, I dig it. I, I love it, Ethan. I love hearing the movies that you talk about. Oh, I appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, and, and same with like you. I know last year you had some newer ones that I wasn't familiar with at all, and I actually checked out one or two of them too. <laughs> already mm. so yeah i'd like terrify like yeah. I, I saw you got a couple up here that i have not uh seen at all so i'm pumped yeah. to hear about it yeah so um i'm recycling some of these that i mentioned from last year because mm-hmm. i'm gonna be totally honest uh, i think the last 12 months has been pretty awful for like modern horror cinema i mean i've just seen dud after dud uh i mean halloween ends is terrible uh, <laughs> i recently saw the hellraiser reboot and um uh, and then Barbarian, people were saying it was the heart, the, the scariest thing ever put to screen recently. And it was, yeah, it was a movie. You know, The Invitation was let down. Jeepers Creepers Reborn was just cringe. And I walked out of Smile because it was so boring, you know. So, uh, like, this year has been really bad, I think, for, for horror films. So I'm going to go back a little bit. Even though they're, they're you know, they're, they're recent films. They're not too recent. Actually, one of them is, one of them is, uh, I'll mention it. It's my third film. That one's, um, I only saw it last night. It was pretty good. Uh, so the first one I'm going to start with, um, as uh, Nate mentioned before, I'm Australian, so I'm going to start mm-hmm. with an iconic Australian classic. Um, Crocodile Dundee. One of the best... No. <laughs> oh, that is its own. That's its own type of horror. Um, yeah. Um, the first one I roll with is uh, Wolf Creek. It's probably one of the, the most famous uh, horror films ever to ever come out of Australia. Uh, this is a, a film from 2005. Uh, it was written and directed by uh, Greg McLean. And um, it was only shot for like about a million dollars. I think they were trying to make it look like five million, but it was a really low budget. It was shot digitally on HD cam, mostly handheld. And if you've never seen it, um, it's something that you sh- it should be on your list uh, for horror films. Um, like I said, I mean, I know Nate kind of likes the, the, the comedy style horrors and now Ethan kind of likes the classics. Um, if you listened to me last year and you've been following me well, I, I really like... I'm a fan of um, you know movies that really garner a response from me. So I like films like for me horror films. I want them to make me feel uncomfortable or, or to shock me. You know, make me mm-hmm. cringe in my seat. So I'm not I'm not a fan of like possession movies or oh, it's a haunted house. Those type of movies really bore me. I, I want movies that make me go, oh damn, I can't believe I just I just saw that or something that makes me just oh, I walk out of the movie and I just you know, my body tells me I shouldn't have watched it. You know, that's type of thing. So Wolf Creek. Um, isn't supernatural nature it's based um it's based in part on real serial killers that occurred in the australian outback so for those of you that may not know australia is a massive country and but we don't have a lot of people we have a lot of outback that's uh 
you know, like the countryside will kill you if your car breaks down. Mm. There's nothing out there. If you if you run into any kind of trouble, you are on your own. And uh, we had a couple of serial killers, uh, wasn't it? It was Bradley Murdoch and Ivan Malat. Um, they were killing backpackers back in the day. And so this film was marketed as based on true events, like based on those killers, as well as combining elements like, you know, the whole crocodile Dundee Aussie theme. And, you know, and, and we end up with this with this uh, with this killer called Mick Taylor and uh, played by by John Jarrett. And it's like an, an amazing performance by John Jarrett. But essentially the, the, the plot is you have a, there's a few backpackers. Obviously, they've hired a car. I think uh, two uh, two of them, two British girls are going with an Australian guy. Um, and the characters are so Cassandra uh, McGrath plays a character called Liz Hunter. You've got uh, Kesty Morassi plays Christy Earle, and Nathan Phillips plays a character called Ben Mitchell. And, ba- and essentially, they go out in the middle of nowhere in Western Australia, and you know, their, their car breaks down. You know, it's pretty pretty simple setup. And um, Mick Taylor, uh, this this country bloke, offers to help them out. And essentially, he drugs them, and then you know captures them, and essentially tortures them, and hunts them down, and, and you know kills them off is is basically it but what makes this uh this film so fantastic is that and what makes it scary is because it doesn't have a high body count and you know i like movies with a high body count but this one it doesn't have a very high body count but it's just terrifying because this could happen to anyone i mean i've driven interstate back when i was in the military and and i'll go man i don't know where the next petrol station is if i break down i'm so screwed and um you know these killers that that were running around australia they're getting away with it because it's just so much nothing in outback australia that it's like one of the best places to be if you want to be a serial killer and this could really happen and the violence was just done like in a really raw like a really raw style the camera work was oh it's it, it's just got like a fantastic it's like an indie mm-hmm. film and i remember when i went to the movies um sure my wife back then but my girlfriend at the time who's now my wife we went to the cinema to see this and people walked out they um you know people were so like just horrified by the violence that was like the, the terror and, and the atmosphere that is created by this film. They, they walked out. It's, it's hardcore, man. It's a great film, even though it doesn't actually have a particularly high kill count. It's very tense and, um, you know, palms sweating, like, are these, you know, are these people going to get away? And uh, it's just a, it's just a great, horrible movie. Well, horrible movie. you know, yeah. we should make a comment. Like you talked about Australia and the big wastelands of nothingness. Like mm-hmm. people forget, like, that's where the post-apocalyptic like genre comes from you know mm-hmm. with george miller you know with you know um the all, exploitation stuff yeah all that stuff because like <laughs> like you said it's it's sort of tailor-made you know for the road warrior you know mad max type yeah movie. Um, oh yeah quick question for you um i had heard of this movie christian i hadn't seen it yet but it's, it was on my list and thank you for reminding me mm-hmm. but they made sequels so what's what's up with that have you seen them uh I know there's one sequel. I don't know if there's a, if there's yeah, more than one, but there's two. It's is, there, is there a third one? Is it? Yeah. Wow. Well, I know of Wolf Creek Two. It's not that great. Um, it's like you know one of those things where you know it's successful. They've got more money. Um, in order to get funding from Screen Australia, you have to tick the boxes for a lot of Australianisms that need to be put into a movie script, and you can really feel that. There's some really cringeworthy scenes where they're just. You can tell, oh, this scene has been put in to tick the boxes to get funding from Screen Australia. So it's just, it's mm-hmm. a sub. The sequel isn't worth watching. I, I pretend that there's no sequel. That to me, there's only one Wolf Creek film because it's almost a perfect film of its type. It's it's so good, and uh, the performance, the performances, are, especially from um, 
think it's Cassandra McGrath, the the, the brunette out of the out of the two women. She, I remember reading um, a behind the scenes thing, and the director there was a scene, the torture scene, and um, I never seen it. It's, it's pretty, like, it's a pretty hardcore scene. And um, the director wanted, I think, it was he wanted to get a point of view shot. So the whole crew left, and only uh, John Jarrett, who plays the, the killer, uh, and Cassandra McGrath are in the room doing the scene, and. <sighs> Her, her screams were so terrifying to crew outside the director ran in because he thought that John Jarrett had gone too far because he didn't mm. break character the whole time that he was filming it so he thought oh man he's gone too far and he's run in and the actors are looking at him going, like what are you doing you just wrecked the shot <laughs> you know but like but that that's how intense these performances are like the, like Cassandra McGrath like all, I mean all the actors they're so good in this it's such an intense uh, an intense journey they're, they're just fantastic actors in this it's, it's a great film if you haven't seen it you really should you really should see it it's one of like I say for those that, are, that cool with the the level of intensity in this it's one of the best australian films uh, ever made in my opinion it's it's fantastic it, it, what's the legacy of this like in australia is it like pretty is it like up there with like you know some of the bigger ones in, in america like how we would view say like nightmare on elm street like is it like i mean obviously it's not as old but like um <laughs> you know is it pretty is it considered like classic there or what yeah everybody's everybody's heard of, heard of wolf creek it's um like i say because it was marketed uh, as being based on the true events of those because those serial killers really existed. I mean, the location that they shot it at, there was a real-life murder at the mine that they shot at, and people protested it at the time because they thought that um, they were making money off those murders, but it was a different murder, so it was, that was another killer. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, um, yeah, now everyone... I mean, just about every Australian I know has seen has seen Wolf Creek, and if you haven't, you, you, they've heard of it. It's, like, in its time, it was, it was massive, and, um, you know, it's just a lot of talent, a lot of talented filmmakers and actors went into it, and it's just um, a very, a very intense journey. But it's different. It's different to like Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, like Freddy Krueger. He's got that playfulness to it. It's this is yeah, not they, a, they, This is not one of those. It's not market. It's not, it's, they're, yeah, they're not trying to market yeah. him as like a character. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like in America, they like ever since like Leatherface, <laughs> they like tried to make all like everyone was like a action figure. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's true. Like, other movie, I got other movie. Yeah, other movies I'm gonna talk about are gonna be like sensationalist, sort of unrealistic characters. But this one, like I said, this is what makes this terrifying, is because it could almost be fly on the wall documentary. You know, it's just, uh, you know, it's it's because it's so plausible and it's done in a realistic manner. There's no, no hyper realism to it. It's 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 very very raw and it's, it's terrifying because it could happen to anyone. Um, like, yeah, it's you know, if you haven't seen it, this I highly, I highly recommend it. This is an Australian movie that. If you like Australian cinema, um, you should watch Wolf Creek. Um, but heads up, it's, it's it's uncomfortable to watch. Quick question: um, It sounds like the only equivalent we have, like in American cinema, would be like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, know, where, that's what I was thinking. Too. And did, I mean, you've seen that one too, right, Christian? The original, like the like the original. Like, yeah, I've seen the original and the remake. And um, I guess the Southern like the, Gothic. The yeah, like the grittiness and the rawness is probably on par. But I find. And I know, like, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was based on, like, a real town that people were killed. But, you know, like, when you watch it and Leatherface is running around with yeah. his, I don't know, it's a little bit, it's, you know, I don't know what's the word for it. It's not really realistic. Like, it's hard to, it's hard to believe that. I mean, maybe, I don't know, there's a, very, a lot of strange characters in this country. It's sensationalized for sure. That's yeah, it. Especially if the dude it. comes out in his wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys see yeah, the, the new version? It, it's tried to be a legacy sequel where it tried to continue the story. That came out, I think it was on Netflix this year, the new one. Try to continue this. this year. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. It was really oh, bad. I have it. 
that's the one with all the um the like rich Californians they're buying up. Yeah, the influencers. Uh, real estate. Yeah, I have seen it. It's yeah. really bad. It's bad. They couldn't even get well. It's I mean she's dead, so they couldn't get the actress. But they they tr- you're clearly trying to do a Jamie Lee Curtis where they bring her back to to finish it off, and they had to get. Yeah, a, well, she survived, but then she was that her character the sequel in 1986 was completely different characters like it, it was like oh, uh, kind of tangential but she wasn't in that so it's like technically she survived but we never found out like what happened to her character the um the texas chainsaw yeah it's yeah i'll just say this i i really don't want to talk about that series i, I will say though that the second movie was it with dennis hopper where it was more comedy uh yeah yeah and it was like it, the poster was like breakfast club yeah so yeah, yeah the 80s were special so all right. Well, Wolf Creek sounds awesome. I don't know about the sequels, but does sound we'll put it on the list. Really cool. So what we got? Yeah, don't watch the sequel. Just watch the first one. Okay. <laughs> Unless the, what if the second and third were awesome too? Like, what if they're actually bad? <laughs> you just gave us a bad recommendation. <laughs> just, just Christian doesn't like it. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, watch at your own risk, but it's very the sequel. Yeah. And well, if there's a third one, I'm gonna look that up now. I'm curious. Well, I'll just yeah. say that you mentioned Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, you know, I, I'm of the opinion I love the first one, but I, my favorite's the third, and I think surprising mm-hmm. number of people. But I've met people who love the second one, and I don't oh, know. Yeah. I, 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 I don't understand those people. But they second do. one's goofy. It's different. Mm. It's the outlier. Yeah. But um, anyway, moving forward, Christian. So what's next on the list? Okay, so the next one is um, one I mentioned last year, and we just, we've already mentioned it. Uh, it's a 2016 movie called Terrifier. And it's uh, written and directed by uh, Damien, I don't know if it's Leone or Leone. We'll say Leone. There's an Leone. And uh, essentially, it's uh, it's very simple, very simple premise. It's Halloween, and um, essentially, you've got uh, two friends. There, uh, they've been out drinking. Um, was it uh, two characters called Tara and is it no Tara and Dawn? I think it is. Yeah, Tara and Dawn, uh, played by Jen, uh, Jenna Cannell and uh, Catherine Corcoran. I think pronounce it. And anyway, uh, they're too drunk to drive, and they go, you know, that. They're calling on uh, one of their sisters to come pick them up because, you know, you know drink and drive is dangerous. And they encounter uh, an evil character called Art the Clown, who's uh, masterfully betrayed by David Howard Thornton. And um, essentially, that's pretty much all the plot is. Art the Clown just hunts them down and people that get in his way, like they eat, get, you know, they eat at, a pizza, uh, at a pizza joint and he kills the people in the pizza joint. Or they go to a building and there's cleaners there and he'll, he'll kill the cleaner or the, the homeless woman live, uh, squatting in the basement. So it, it's all it is. It's just a, it's a slasher film and they're just trying to survive the night as this clown hunts them down while waiting for the sister to come pick them up and you know, get them out of there. And it is the most brutal like one of the most brutal slasher movies I've ever seen. The director is a is a makeup artist, so he's like his bread and butter. Like his before becoming a director is doing like real physical effects. So we're not dealing with CGI or anything like this. Is practical stuff that you would expect like from the 80s, and he does it really well. You know, it's it's like when you watch the John Wick movies and you realize the action's so good. Well, it's because the director was an action choreographer before he became a director. Well, now you've got a makeup artist who's directing horror films, and it's Oh, it's just mm-hmm. it's horrifying. To, it's horrifying to watch. You know, it's uh, the most. It's over the top, brutal. It's visually shocking, uh, and even and the clown played, uh, let's say, by David Thornton. Uh, David Thornton is a professional mime because the uh, art, the clown, he doesn't speak, so it's just all body language and facial expressions and mannerisms, and he's just brilliant. And it's just he's just so creepy and visually disturbing and off-putting to look at. Um, and it's, it's really simple stuff too. We're not talking anything complicated, but it's just, oh, 
it's one of those movies where I've just gone, oh, I can't. I just saw that. Oh my god, that's just happened. You know, it's just it makes you wince when when the violence happens, and it's just no fluffing around when 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 it's time for someone to get the chopping block. He like <laughs> it comes in full swing, and he's not happy to like let the camera show you everything that happens. It's 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 horrifying. So um and you know and because it makes me feel uncomfortable to watch that I I, I really rate it in this movie it's it's awful like I don't recommend it for everyone it's not for the squeamish but um yeah Terrifier is uh one of those recent movies uh, that impressed me because like I say most modern horror beyond the 80s you know there's a lot of low budget films that are using CGI and a lot of practical effects or they're just I don't know they just play it safe this film does not play it safe he is out to shock you and yeah I was shocked when I saw it it's, yeah it's a movie worth watching if you want to see something that is very much at its r rating on that thing it's r rated it might be you, you guys non-rated. have a high rating r rated yeah yeah non-rated so um you know question for you though uh, art the clown right and you mentioned in your notes that it's he appeared before the director's other anthology film how would you rate that's like, correct how would you rate like art the clown versus like the pantheon of modern like slasher you know freddy krueger mike myers you know jason that sort of thing like I'll just say it, Chucky, you know, but mm. like how, like how, how is he as like establishing a mythology? Cause he's, he's been in several films. Yeah, that's right. Cause uh, the, um, this isn't the first time he's appeared on screen. Uh, he first appeared in a 2008 film. I haven't seen these ones, uh, but he first appeared in 2008 in a short film called the ninth circle, uh, which the direct, the same director wrote and directed. Then he also did another short film, uh, called the Terif- called terrifier. Um, and, uh, and that was done in 2011, and then they were incorporated into a 2013 anthology uh, called All Hallows Eve. So, um, so you know, there's a bit of a backstory that I should really go and watch them to, so I know a bit more about the character. But yeah, he's been set up. He's he's definitely iconic because um, I'm going to cover the sequel in a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and there's there's more coming. There's going to be a Terrifier three. Oh, he's, he's coming. He's coming for you. He yeah, found he's you. Down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's going to be a Terrifier three and four. And Art the Clown, he's he's definitely up there. Like just visually, even if you forget the, the story, um, I mean, there's not much to the story, but even if you get the story and, and the brutal killings that he does, I mean, the way that um, David Thornton plays this character, well, actually, I think it's a different actor in, in the short films, uh, but the, the modern version, the most recent versions of Art the Clown played by David Thornton, uh, it's so, he's so visually memorable mm-hmm. um, and you know, he'll be ingrained in your psyche. Yeah, he he's he's going to be up there with Freddy Krueger and Jason and and, uh, and all that. He's definitely one of the new characters to keep an eye out for. I, I mean, I want to see more of him. I think um, I might sound, might sound sick, but <laughs> well, no, I, no. more of him. I think he yeah, he's he's great. I think as a he's and he's got no dialogue. The character is completely like I don't know if he's mute, but he doesn't have a, a shred of dialogue. So it's just all reliant on his body language and facial expressions. And um, it's um, no, he's creepy as man, and he's brutal like in how he carries out his killings he's nasty very nasty yeah the iconic ones the only one that really talked was freddy well i guess chucky talks too but like you know yeah. jason doesn't talk leatherface doesn't talk um mm. uh what's his name uh, uh michael myers doesn't talk so i mean yeah that's i mean very very much i haven't seen these movies but they sound really cool mm-hmm. and obviously the slasher genre is not i mean the 80s was his heyday but there's really not a lot of good ones now so i mean like no. people's bar is so high too so like if you know i i feel like if friday the 13th came out now people would be like what is this like but yeah you're right. you watch it now and it's like it's not about the structure of the movie it's about like the what it evokes in you like the terror it evokes in you and so i, I think if it can accomplish that then 
and it does its job. Well, yeah. have either you guys the... uh, have either you guys seen that trailer for that R-rated Winnie the Pooh slasher film? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. No, I didn't I see the trailer, but I saw the poster. Yeah, like because I guess because Winnie, Winnie the Pooh is um you know it's you know copyright free now. It, there's a slasher movie about Winnie the Pooh, wow. and it looks every bit like R-rated horror than you'd think. Wow. And so, yeah. That's the world it's is called blood and honey. Blood and honey. <laughs> I just I just want to come back to um, you making the comment before about uh, comparing them to sort of Jason, those guys, and how they were all silent. Um, mm -hmm. You're right. That that, that silence um, is really off putting. But what's different with Arthur Clown is like you know uh, Jason, uh, Michael Myers. They all wore masks, so you can't see their facial expressions. Oh, yeah, whereas yeah. Uh, Arthur Clown doesn't wear. A, I mean, he's got face paint on and obviously it's some kind of prosthetic and. A costume but you can see his face he's got very exaggerated facial like expressions which is like the you know even though he's silent it's the exact opposite and like you know he's just got these mm. like terrible teeth these disgusting teeth really big eye movements real jerky manners yeah he's just his face like he doesn't need to do anything he just scares the shit out of you just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's cool yeah, he looks awesome um yeah. but we got a sequel we got another one we do we do i just saw Terrifier 2 last night. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's written and directed uh, by the same guy, Damien uh, Leone. Um, original characters come back to reprise their roles, and we've got you know we've got some new new victims uh, in it as well. So we have a new lead this time um, called Sienna, played by Lauren uh, Lavera, uh, and she's got like a little brother. What's his name? Uh, God, I didn't write that one down. There he is. Yeah, Jonathan, uh, played by Elliot Fullen, and. Um, yeah, it, it is a literal sequel to the first one in the sense that it just it just takes place seconds after the end of the original uh, Terrifier, and um and it is however it's also set in Halloween. I don't want to give away too much, but both stories are separated by year, but kind of cross over a little bit of time jumping, but both on Halloween, um, twelve months apart, and uh, it just continues it just continues the story. Um, of art the clown but the, uh, the sequel adds a supernatural element to it whereas before he was just a maniac and um you know and, and i guess just like michael myers and jason we you know and originally they're just sort of people and then but obviously to keep the franchise going they've added some supernatural element to to make him large in life so he can keep coming back they've done the same thing um with it which i, I think makes it a lesser film like i enjoyed it overall uh, but it, it's not as good as the first terrifier um you know, there's a lot of. Uh, it's about 45 minutes longer than the first one. It's really long. They could they could probably trim about 30% of this film. There's a lot of a lot of fat in there. It needs to be to be cut out. But um, it's very bloated. But if you ignore that, once again, what make you know what makes this movie work is uh you know you're waiting to see the scenes with Art Art the Clown. You know, just like uh, Batman, uh, the second uh, the Dark Knight, where you're waiting to see the Joker. It's the same with Terrified too. Like, yeah, okay, we've got these characters, these good people who, yeah, they're building all this backstory. But I just want to see Arthur Clown rock up and see how <laughs> how he's going to take out the next, the next person. And once again, they just, you know, they up the ante and the vibe. Like the death count is higher, and you know, they're just they're just trying to see if they can push it further than what they did in the original film. Uh, I mean, my wife and I've had like this discussion trying to figure out because both films have a particularly iconic death scene and we're trying to figure out which one is worse because they're both really like terrible horrific <laughs> like you know sometimes you wonder man a someone wrote this and then b they went and shot it <laughs> you know it's just uh it's crazy but uh yeah it's worth it's, it's one of those things where if you're into slash and you want to like feel uncomfortable because there were numerous times last like 
I feel sorry for my neighbors last night, my, you know, because my wife and I were just like, whoa. Ten minutes later, we're screaming out, whoa, covering our mouth. I can't believe we just saw that. Oh, it's still going. Oh, he's still killing this person. You know, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's like I say, it's, it's very nasty stuff. Um, but, you know, mem- memorable. Um, if, you know, if you don't want to, like, see, like, a, a haunting movie or something that's, like, smile, where well, they just have someone smiling and nothing happens, but we're just jump scared, <laughs> this movie will, um, you know, this movie will definitely give you nightmares, I think. So, Christian, the, the Wikipedia Wikipedia description, which is always, you you could tell was not done by the director, wink, wink, says the mm-hmm. violent and gory sequences allegedly led to emergency services having to be called from f- viewers fainting and vomiting in theaters. Yeah, okay. I saw a headline. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how I knew Terrified 2 had come out. I saw a headline saying that people were like, oh my God, Terrified 2 is out. And I go, oh, wow, people are f- apparently fainting and whatnot. i got to see this. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I had a question. Uh, I've never seen it. Ethan, have you seen either Terrifier films? No, I've not seen either um, of these. Uh, yeah, definitely looks cool. Got a question. Um, so in the 80s, like in the heyday of this stuff, like as a way to address the violence, like all the horror icons eventually became comedians. Like even, <laughs> like, wow. well, because they made money, right? Like you, like I remember you could literally go into a Toys R Us or a toy store in the 1980s and buy a talking Freddy Krueger doll for preteens. Like, it's insane. Like they they became it's like, like Nintendo games. And yeah, stuff. Nintendo games for kids. Um, and they're back. You can still buy, you can buy the toys in in the kids aisles now. But um, <laughs> does Terrifier like when he kills? Is there like a comedic bent to them at all, or is it just straight up horror? Like is it is he trying to have fun with it, or is the is the creativity in how he kills? It's both. Uh, like each death scene, I mean, some of them like the, you know the stereotypical stuff, like you know, will cut someone's head off. And you go, okay, cool. He's you know, once again, he's cutting someone's head off. But uh, because he's a clown, he a bit like Freddy Krueger, there is this playful element to it, because um, he is like this mime, like he's like this street mime. So as he's doing it, it's like he's a giddy little little child playing with his toys, <laughs> if that makes sense. And then like, and then you know. You, some a character will walk in on him and he's just disemboweled them and he's playing with the, the flesh on someone's face for example and he'll just look at him with a big smile on his face Aww. like oh look what i did you know it's just yeah it's, he's yeah, just so a he's, big kid yeah, he's big, just a he's yeah. just a joker so, yeah, so that's his, his so that's like his motive then yeah yeah i, th- I think yeah he, he's very playful which is what i think adds to this to what makes it so disturbing it's not like uh for example, you know Dharma when he kills, it's like a sexual thing. When you watch, if you've been watching the, the Netflix thing, right, he kind of gets off it. Whereas this guy looks like he's uh, Arthur Clown. It's like a big game for him. He's just laughing about it. He just thinks it's all a big joke. And um, yeah, and 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 oh, you got to see his smile. That like this this guy is so good. Uh, David Thornton is just got the, the creepiest uh, smile. But yeah, but he's just he's just playing with his food. You know, it's just that's all. It's just a big game for him. Uh, you know, no f's given. And if you happen to stumble across them, he, he wants to let you know, hey, look how much fun I'm having. And now I'm about to have fun with you. You know, <laughs> it's awful. I love really good makeup, too. Like, you know, you don't have that as much anymore. Like the good, like Freddy Krueger, iconic, literally just even if he didn't say a word, it's, he's iconic regardless just because of how he looks. So, well, you know, it's funny. Really cool. You remember when they you're right, Ethan, like you remember when they tried to reboot um Freddy Krueger with Jackie Earl Haley and they they read <laughs> yes. the makeup and everything about the movie was a failure. It's like they didn't understand anything why people liked this franchise in the beginning. And um yeah. but but one quick question, is there any CG in these films or is it all practical? Um I thought there was no CG in the first one, but apparently 
they wanted a jack-o'-lantern in a seat so apparently there's a, a cgi jack-o'-lantern um in the, <laughs> in the first film but no there's uh, i would say um that there's no no this is all practical effects it's all real blood being splattered, all fake blood being splattered across them he's wearing real makeup uh they're nice. chopping up they're clearly chopping up um like mannequin real, uh, i don't real know real people um, these are real people like method actors <laughs> you know they're they're you know there's um you know they're, they're chopping heads off and limbs and and putting their yeah. like putting his hands inside the the chest cavity of like mannequins or something like something like that like it's all practical it's all practical effects the second one has people on fire i'm pretty sure that's probably that would have to be cgi i don't think they've done the guy in a suit i think so i think the fire scenes in the second one are cgi but everything else appears to be practical effects if there's if there's cgi then they've done it really really well uh, but i'm pretty sure it's all it's all practically done um, I think that's yeah. what, that's what ruins a lot of modern horror for me, or what they call horror. It's like I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Like I have nothing against CG, but for me, mm. it just it disconnects me. It just takes me out of it. I just I can't I can't buy it. I don't I don't know what it is. I try. It just it just feels weightless to me. Yeah. Did you guys not... did you guys see Malignant? James. Yes. I think we talked about that last. Uh, I think yeah, I mentioned that last year. Yeah, yeah, I liked that one. That was great. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. I think he used a very minimal CGI. If he did, obviously, like the the main villain was like a puppet or something. But yeah, that I mean, that's just he's so good at at that kind of stuff. So did you um did you see that behind the scenes footage they had for the the new Predator movie? Um, what was it called no. Prey? Because uh, you saw yeah. you saw the movie, you liked it, right, Christian? I remember. I love Prey. I thought Prey was a yeah. fantastic uh, addition to the franchise. Yes, yeah, brilliant. They uh, they had a completely practical Predator costume that actually did the the whole mouth gaping and everything, and I guess oh, they wow. they had replaced most of it with CG in the final product. And uh, mm-hmm. but if you guys have a chance, check out what they did. It's, I mean, I know we love '80s horror and '80s practical effects, but there's some really interesting stuff that's still being made, and I yeah. I just hope we see more of it because it's it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's gonna come I back. Think what, I, I think people are tired of CGI stuff right now, or you yeah. know, or only CGI stuff. You know, yeah, or only CGI. Yeah, when it works, yeah. where you need it, it's one thing. Use it as like a, if it last, you know, uh, last resort. But I think leaning on it too much is not not the answer. Yeah. No. I think um, the other issue that one of the reasons why I think a lot of horror films fail, like for example, when I watched the Hellraiser reboot, because I'm a fan of the originals, not all mm-hmm. the sequels, but the originals were great. Is that um. A lot of filmmaking nowadays is really polished like for example if you if you're a filmmaker and you want to make a film for example for netflix <clears throat> excuse me they, they give you a list of cameras that you're allowed to use there's a reason why netflix films all look the same you know mm-hmm. because they mm-hmm. they're all shot in the same handful of cameras they're all shot with a wide you know with a wide uh, uh, uh dynamic range and then they're all color graded almost the same way you know I mean? so they've, they've got this polished uh digital look so when you look at when you watch hellraiser for example the, the recent one you know, they've got these new, these intricately designed, like, Cenobite new creatures, right? Uh, the demons that are in the Hellraiser series. And a lot of work has gone into it, but it just looks, it just looks like really polished adult cosplay. It doesn't look real because the lighting isn't, isn't right. It's not like the, like the, the original Hellraisers. Um, it doesn't feel visceral. There's no blood in it. Like, but you look at it, it's, it's almost like they're airbrushed and it, it just doesn't feel real. Whereas when you watch Terrifier, um, and like the original Hellraisers, the, the lighting is natural. You know, they haven't adhered to the streaming services narrow bandwidth of what mm-hmm. they want you to do. The cameras and color, it doesn't look polished. It feels really raw. And that's what makes it like really stand out. And I think that's why the, the new Hellraiser was, was crap to watch. I just looked at it. It just looked, it just looked um, 
it just looked airbrushed. You know, it just looked it just looked too polished and clean and safe. You know, whereas um, Terrify is really raw. Like even the sequel, they've obviously got more money for the sequel, but it's still really like visceral and raw. And the lighting is is what you would expect. It doesn't feel unnatural. You know, it's yeah, it's great. It's got a good feel to it. Ethan, um, what was that movie that you recommended last year about the alien invasion from Amazon that wasn't, you know, that was really low budget that was done over the radio? Do you remember that? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, the one that we did the whole episode on. Yeah. I mean, you know the one I'm talking yeah. about, right? Like, that movie yeah, cost I, thousands of dollars, but it looked like $30 million because the, the cameraman knew how to shoot the film and knew how to do the lighting. Like, it, it looked great. Yeah. No. Yeah. In and um. Oh, geez. I keep wanting to say Dead of Night because it's like a, a similar title to that, the one I just talked about. Um. Jeez, Louise, why can't well, think of the name of it? Actually, uh, I got a. I got a better thing. Speaking, of, did you? Have you either of you guys ever seen that new animated film called The Spine of Night? That was designed to be. No. Like, it looked hand drawn, like it, like an old Bakshi film from like, you know, Fire and Ice, or you know, <laughs> you know, you know those rotoscoped no. fantasy movies that were look cool, but they were always really boring. Like, um, yeah. you know, there are so many. Like Fritz the Cat and stuff? Well, I, like in the 80s, they just they started making this fantasy. There was all these fantasy films, and they're just not great, but they look great. And you really want to like them. Like, like Lord of the Rings looked good, but it was just so dull. But you look at Spine of Night, you look at these new films, and like Christian said, they're just there's something about it. They're too clean. They don't look lived in. They looked, I don't know, they look like something you don't want to take out of the package and ruin and play with. Like they're designed to be looked at, not played with, and they're just not very inviting. So I don't know if there's a term for that, like in filmmaking, where it just doesn't sterile. Look, yeah, too clean, too too clean, yeah. too nice. Too, I want my films dirty. Yep, same. Real squibs, please, not CG squibs. So uh, anyway, sorry about that, uh, Christian. So Terrifier and Terrifier Two are going to be on my list. I think I, I actually have a copy, so I will check them out. Um, By the way, the movie is called The Vast of Night. Vast of Nights. It was one of those nights. So Yeah, I know. I kept saying Dead of Night in my head because I couldn't get out of it. But yeah, Vast of Night. Yeah, very effective. Much it's better than, uh, much, much, much better than Jordan Peele's Nope. For almost the same. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, definitely. It's more like, definitely the homage in it is, uh, it's, it's like Sam Raimi meets War of the Worlds kind oh, of. Oh. Uh, so without the blood. Actually, I got a I segue real quick. So, Christian, you reviewed Nope for the site, right? And uh, you did, right? And um, so, I think I did. I think yeah, I did. I'm pretty like, sure. It, it's I know it's so forgettable. So it's like, did I see I that movie? The monster at the, the alien at the end is like yeah. looking like curtains, well, like they designed it by looking at curtains on a window or something. It's weird. Look like curtain vagina. It didn't look right. But um, nah. like, but but you remember that a lot of the scenes in that movie were shot at. That it took place at night, but you could clearly tell they were doing like, uh, what is it? Night, day for night. Day for night. Day for night. Yeah. But it was so poorly done. Like you could still see shadows on their faces from the sunlight. Like it just, you, you have these tricks to save money and everything. But if you don't know what you're doing, it just, it just, it doesn't look right. It. I'm not trying to criticize like good filmmakers or anything, but it just, it takes you out of it. It just doesn't feel right at all. So yeah, it's really hard, really hard to do well. Like same with that uh, that TV series, the uh, House of the Dragon. People complain online. You watch it, it just looks so terrible. Going, guys, just you got all this money, you just shoot it, just shoot it at night. Like you know, that's how they used to do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, I don't know. So moving forward, though, I think uh, the next film I think we've talked about before, but I would always want to talk about this one again. What is it? Yeah, yeah I'm gonna bring it up again. Um, 
I say I'm because I want to talk about movies uh, that are worsening because as I mentioned uh, this year has been terrible horror films. So let's go back to 2005. Um, um, a fantastic movie called The Descent, mm-hmm. uh, which is written and directed by Neil Marshall. Um, it's about a woman who loses her husband and child in a car accident, and I think it's about 12 months later, her friends uh, organize to go spelunking, go cave uh, exploring. Uh, and they go into a cave that has been unexplored and when they get lost there's uh you know no one's going to be able to come and help them and, and look from uh and so while the environment itself is threatening enough they encounter some creatures uh that slowly t- start to pick them off uh, one at a time mm-hmm. and uh this film is very different because i know every, a lot of stuff i've talked about have been real slasher um you know really violent films they're wrong. there's definitely like some deaths in this but this film is different because i'll never forget going once again just like wolf creek i remember going to the movies and um feeling suffocated because in this film like you know we see a lot of movies when they shoot when they do night scenes or darkness it's really just blue lighting you know Mm -hmm. and you see the characters they walk into a room they've got a torch and you're like why you got a torch you can see everything (laughs) right it's it's silly but this film darkness like black is black you like in the in the cinema it was just it, it, it was just pure darkness except for the, the the lights on their on their heads or the torches that they were carrying you know and um it's just what makes this film so terrifying in addition to the monsters i mean the monsters were cool don't wrong but for me it's the environment it was claustrophobic it's suffocating because they're these tiny women they're just pushing forward and they're in like really tight tunnels and holes and you know and they've got gear that gets stuck and um Oh, it's just the environment and the situation is far more scary than the monsters and so and it was just like environmental and and, and the panic um, I don't know if you guys ever had this happen to you when you were a kid but when I watched this movie it reminds me when I was like little and uh, you're mucking around with your friends and on a carpet and have you ever been rolled up in a carpet and your, your, your arms are trapped and you're rolled up and you can't move and it's the most, the most awful <laughs> feeling that's the feeling I get when I watch The Descent in the dark you know and you, you, yeah, you, you've got to watch this movie in the dark it's just pure it's pure atmosphere um, and then, of course, there's, there's the creatures they come across, which is done really well, how they come in. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've talked about this film last year, but like I said, I bring it up again this year because it's just a good go-to if you're looking for, you know, you're not really into something as extreme as Terrifier or as intense as, say, Wolf Creek. You want something that's, you know, still got its killing, um, but, it's got, but it's more of atm- atmospheric, the, the descent, you know, and it's got great performances by the pretty much predominantly all-female cast. It's the, it's, it's a great movie. You know, we... Um... All that stuff we just talked about about lighting and camera work and everything that this is that film this is like this may be like one of the best examples of of that ever made like i would mm-hmm. say like this and the thing like you know john carpenter's the yeah, thing yeah. where there's so much natural lighting and the lighting is real and it's reflecting and you see shadows and mm-hmm. um yeah quick question did you ever see the unrated version of this or the, like the director's cut of the descent where they um they kind of uh-huh. hinted that the creatures were in her mind that she hallucinated the whole thing yeah, I've seen. I think I've seen one version, and then when you told me that there was an alternate ending, I think I just looked up yeah. the, the alternate ending on YouTube or something. But uh, but yeah. So uh, like I said, I don't want to say anything, but let me mention it last year anyway. But yeah, there's the idea that uh, the creatures aren't really there. Like there's in the, it's more about the descent of her into madness. Exactly. Um, you can, you can interpret it either way. Um, the sequel. And you talk. They made it a terrible sequel, but the sequel assumes that it wasn't in her head. The sequel, if I remember correctly, I only watched it once because it's bad. Uh, they go back in, funnily enough, and the creatures mm-hmm. are still there. I think <laughs> we're, we're going back down, we're but back, yeah, yeah. And this guy did Dog Soldiers. You talked about Dog Soldiers last year too, right? 
Yeah, Neil Marshall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, He's. I mean, he did the new Hellboy, which I didn't. I mean, the original Hellboy is like the the Guillermo del Toro one's like one of my favorite movies ever. Um, mm. But I will say that again, I haven't seen um, um, the Descent either. But uh, um, the atmosphere in the new Hellboy was pretty cool. Like I will say, like he did a really good job with like um just like building up the these different moments um so like yeah i could see what he could do with like a really cool script so um, i think yeah, the, the, he's at uh, neil marshall's great i think yeah. the impression was that he, he felt he wasn't right for the material there was some sort of fracas about that after yeah, Hellboy yeah, came Hellboy, out. yeah it was doomed it, it, there's no way it was gonna be good i don't think um under those circumstances but if he i mean he wrote he wrote i know uh was the descent based off anything or he just wrote it uh original i think he just wrote it original. i'm not sure if, i don't i don't think it is i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure he just um i think he, yeah i know i underwent a few drafts i think originally it was a group of guys and girls and then they changed it yeah. to an all uh an all female group so um yeah. Yes. Yeah, some writers and uh, slash directors just are night and day w- when you compare their their when they have like source material versus when they just write mm. something from scratch, and like mm. uh, yeah, some directors just or or writers just are way better when they're just doing their own thing. Did you yeah. did, did you guys see um, Midsummer when it came out? Not when it yes. came out, but I've seen. Like like it's it's I hate to say it like the premise is almost. I mean, it's a little bit different, but it's very similar to The Descent, you know, that she's dealing with trauma and that, you know, she's mm-hmm. had all this yeah. stuff and there's like innuendo. But I think, I don't know what you guys felt about Midsummer. I know I have mixed feelings on it, but I think The Descent is the better mm-hmm. film for many reasons, let alone, you know, just huh. mostly originality. But yeah, it's, uh, don't see the sequel, see the original. <laughs> yeah, so, I only see the original, yeah. yeah. Midsummer was all right. I, I, I appreciate Midsummer because they were trying to make a horror movie that was brightly lit. I remember reading mm-hmm. a thing about how they mm-hmm. didn't want it to be like all steeped in darkness. It was like I think every, nearly it was every almost all daytime. Day yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm a fan of Florence Pugh. I'm a really big fan of hers. I think she's great, but I didn't really rate the movie overall. I appreciate what they were trying to do, but uh, The Descent is a far superior film. Uh, Midsummer, I actually love Midsummer. Uh, it's probably like what, I think it's like the best. Uh, I think it's like one of the most perfect movies well, of in recent vintage. You remember, um, Christian, when I first, when I was in California, we had lunch, uh, we were having lunch with another one of my old editors from the site. And you remember we were having that conversation about Midsummer, where like, oh, I read the script. It's going to be like, you know, you get those people yeah. that read the scripts and they're like, oh, the script means it's going to be a good movie. Well, <laughs> so they've already made up their mind, you know, but because yeah. <laughs> what was the movie he made before that, before Midsummer? Hereditary. Um, Hereditary, which, you know, was a huge hit and, you know, well-respected, yeah. so... But yeah, trauma, female trauma is a good starting point for any horror. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's true. Yeah. So, Midsummer yeah. is so fun. It's like so, it's so, like, I, I, it didn't give me nightmares, but I remember like waking up in the middle of the night and just, I couldn't stop thinking about that movie for like weeks. It's very it pretty. Just, it, affect, I, it affected me in a strange way for some reason. It just had like really, really evocative stuff in it, provocative stuff even. The people who love um, it though, like no offense Ethan, like the people who love it, love it. And the people that are mid about yeah. it are mid about it. Like Oh, it's, it's definitely, yeah, yeah. It definitely is, has like its fanatics. Um, it's still like top 20 on Letterboxd, like of, of people still watching it, like as far as watched, who's watching what um, popular popularity wise. But um, yeah, yeah Midsummer is fun. The end, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not going to give anything away, but the ending is very, uh, it's 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 so strange. It just keeps you thinking, I think. Um, 
Very interesting. Well, speaking, going back to Christian, so you got one more film. I don't know if we talked about it last year, but it's always worth talking about. So I think we may have, but before I just want to mention one last thing on The Descent. I love yeah. the poster for The Descent. The Descent's got a fantastic poster. Um, it does. It's, it's got like all the female characters uh, forming a, a skull. And it probably doesn't sound so great like in a podcast, but if you look it up, whoever did the marketing design that poster, it's brilliant. I, I love it. But anyway. That's my last comment on the descent for this year. We'll come back next year and have more comments. You'll probably come back because it's just that good. So, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. So, um, the last one. I'm pretty sure I mentioned this last year as well. Um, It's the 2013 um, remake of Evil Dead, uh, which is written by Fede Alvarez and Roto Sayegets, and directed by Fede Alvarez. And it's obviously based on the 1981. Uh, the Evil Dead that was written and directed by Sam Raimi. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was always a fan of the original Evil Dead, but, you know, they, they, they got an element of comedy to them. They're a little silly. It's Sam Raimi, you know what I mean? So, you know, he's he's got that Sam Raimi style to his films. Uh, but The Evil Dead, before Terrify came along, um, I, I, once again, I remember seeing this at the cinema in Hollywood uh, with with my wife and my sister-in-law. And I didn't really didn't know what to expect. You know, I just knew it was a remake. And I'm like, okay, it'll be cool to see a modern remake of Evil Dead. And it is nothing like the first one. The only no. thing that is in common is that the, it's got the same title. Uh, and it's set in a cabin in the woods. And I, and you've got the, the Book of the Dead, uh, the, you know. And uh, other than that, that's about it. And it is hardcore. I remember squirming in my seat. Because this is one of those films where, I mean, I'm pretty sure there would have to be some level of CGI in there. But I remember reading an interview with the director and he claimed that just about everything you see is done practically and that's why it looks so damn good like it's just uh like terrify it's brutally like it's violent but it's more like messed up in the sense of uh how do i explain it's not like if you got paper cuts or like if you got a fear of needles like there's a scene where a dude like she stabs him in the face with just like a needle right like a like a you know, just a needle, and it pierces the like his his eyeball, and um, you know, through shatters through his his glasses. And so it's not like say they chopped his his arm off, or you know, he got set on fire. But it's just like you know, these these little pinprick sort of like violent thing, or someone gets burnt under scalding hot water, um, and their skin gets blistered. You know, so it's not like mm-hmm. violence like in other films. It's just this really messed up, intimate, uh, hard to explain, real real visceral. Um, just violence and um and it's 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 terrifying because when you see it on screen you can almost feel it happening to you you know because we all like you know not everyone i guess can relate to the idea of um you know being stabbed or being shot like you see in films or being hacked up by james you know no one can really relate to that but you know we've all been to the doctor and been you know had an injection by by a needle you know we've all been burnt at some time you know like hot water comes out and scolds you you know uh so there are just levels of violence that you can that you can sort of relate to and it's just it's just awful it just made my skin crawl when i watched it and it's just very visual um very uh it's it's just a really brutal (laughs) remake and um, yeah, and, and essentially, I suppose I'd probably say the plot for those who haven't seen it. Unlike the first one, it's about a group of friends. Uh, there's a girl who's recover, uh, a recovering drug addict, and her friends take her out to the woods to go cold turkey. So she'll give up, you know, so she can go cold turkey on kicking uh, the drugs. And one of the friends discovers the Book of the Dead and obviously unleashes the evil, and then that evil won't let them leave and then just starts killing them one at a time. So, you know, pretty similar. 
guess in that concept the original and that's basically it but it's just so well made it's just shot really well it looks great um it's one of those ones where it is like really color graded like it's got a style of grading to it but it's still but not to the point where it's like hellraiser where it numbs like the horror of it it's just uh it's a it's a really brutal and, and well-made film and um yeah, I'm pretty sure Bruce Campbell wasn't a fan of it because he he prefers the fun of what well, he, Dead is. Well, he's I, in it. I, I well, he's in it for yeah. uh, what That's a sec right. a second. <laughs> so one yeah. second, maybe a second and a half. Did um, um quick question, um, Ethan, have you seen the Evil Dead remake? Not seen the remake. Um, the OG though, uh, from was it eighty one? Yeah. Um, definitely like that one. I I mean, I also like when that came out at the time. It was like. It was like well, probably along the lines of like what this one was now, just like something people hadn't really seen anything like it. It was like obviously it has that comedy tongue in cheek thing too that Sam Raimi does really well. But I mean, it's pretty it's pretty wild. Uh, obviously, it's there are scarier things that have come out since then. But um, yeah, 1981 was pretty crazy. So I, I it's definitely on my list. The new one I do like. Don't breathe um, a lot, which is the same dude. Yeah. Fede Alvarez. Is it, how do you yeah, pronounce it? Fede or Fede Alvarez? Fede, yeah, something like that. And uh, then uh, Roto Sayages or something? Yeah. Sayages? Yeah. <laughs> from Uruguay. But, um, uh, which I apologize yeah, if guys, he's listening and uh, we mispronounce it. <laughs> he, yeah, he's a fan. Call um, us and let us know how to pronounce yeah. it. <laughs> so, But I mean, d Don't Breathe 1 and 2 those are, pretty uh, good. are phenomenal. I, I, think, yeah. I think the first one is like, pretty much a perfect movie. Uh, perfect horror film at least um the second one's a really good follow-up but yeah I, I so i mean just judging based off of that these guys have really good instincts um when it comes to just where they want to go with the with the plot so i mean i i definitely i would definitely check this out. i just haven't gotten to it hey christian um i saw this in the theater because i had heard it got pretty good reviews as well because i was hesitant because mm -hmm. like a lot of people my age, I grew up with the Evil Dead and Army of Darkness and Bruce Campbell, that sort of thing, and you know Sam Raimi. Yeah. Um, I think this is a good movie, but it's got a it's got one flaw that 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 I think some people can't see past, and the fact is it's called Evil Dead. And I think the mm -hmm. problem is is that they misunderstood why people liked the Evil Dead franchise. I think they thought, mm -hmm. oh, let's bring it back and be horror. It's like the Freddy Krueger remake. Oh, let's make it a mm -hmm. horror. No, 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 no. That ship has sailed. It's a comedy now. And it it became so well known for being funny, and for being you know like just black humor, and I think trying to erase that, erase Bruce Campbell's comedy, erase the dancing skeletons, erase you know Evil mm -hmm. Dead Ash. You can't do that anymore and call it Evil Dead. I think that's the problem. And you know, did you guys ever? Did either of you see the the sequel series on? Was it Showtime? The Ash no, Ash Evil Dead. no, I did Thick, not see that. Right. Love yeah, it. it's great. It's fantastic. It's yeah. it's almost too much. Like it's almost like a, too much of a good thing, but it's full blown what you what I think people wanted this movie to be. And I and again, I agree with. You. I think this is a good movie, Christian. But when you see Evil Dead, you're sort of expecting funny now. You're expecting comedy gore, and you know, let's be honest. And nothing against like the, the actors in this movie, but how do you compete with Bruce Campbell? Like it's that's no one wants well, that position. Well, you know, imagine if yeah. someone came out with a movie and they build it as a James Bond movie, but it was like a like a screwball comedy or something. Yeah. you'd be like, "What is this?" Like, mm -hmm. but like it doesn't mean it's not can't be a good movie. Exactly. But it's like, yeah, exactly. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, but um, why call it that? It kind of feels like they're trying to like parlay. Well, I think they knew it too. I think. Success, but... I think like if you watch the trailer, I mean, if you watch the credits at the very last scene, you see a silhouette of Bruce Campbell, 
and he just turns to the screen and goes groovy like it has it's there's zero it doesn't belong there it's not that movie you know they made a decision that's right and uh don't worry though they're rebooting it again it, there's a new evil dead coming out next year with evil dead rise another reboot so <laughs> so that has nothing to do with the original movie and it's going to be all horror again so <laughs> yeah is it these guys or is it different different, different all different it's, yeah uh, sam raimi's uh producing it of course but um yeah yeah like i said it's a good movie it, it it's worth watching and I know it's not my turn, but can I recommend a companion movie to this? Um, yeah. I actually confused the director because I like both these directors. Um, do you ever uh, uh, Alexandra Asia? He did the movie Crawl with uh, the croc- you know, the crocodile in the building. Oh yeah, yeah. Remember that? Um, I remember I saw his movie High Tension back in like two thousand three, when it was is a French movie. And if you're into, if you like Christian's Evil Dead remake, then please watch High Tension. They're very similar. They're both hardcore female-led action you know hardcore practical effects horror and aja has become a really good horror director as well and he's great with suspense too and like he did that oxygen movie last year the french film mm-hmm. um it was it was a containment thriller um yeah he's got some really really cool stuff yeah so like there's a lot of really good practical horror movies being made by these people and yeah so just don't go into evil dead thinking it's ash and funny and dancing skeletons and whatever and you'll be you'll be you'll have a good time just temper your expectations yeah if you're looking and, for and, b- and by the way this guy is, oh sorry what's up oh no so i was just saying uh yeah if you go in hoping to get the same vibe as uh the original you're going to be sorely disappointed uh, yeah it's very very different very different not bad just different just so, different yeah, different so, flavor so. And Fede Alvarez, uh, I guess, is also he's not directing it, but he's uh, writing the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Again, another Speaking one. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know what the uh, I don't know what the story is, but. Well, it'll have a chainsaw. And people people wearing masks, of faces, mm-hmm. of real faces, but um, mm-hmm. no, Evil Dead twenty thirteen, definitely check it out. So I guess uh, I guess that leaves me. So. All right, save the best for last. So here we go. Um, I may repeat myself too. I only have three, and I tried to, for my movies, I tried to find a theme, and the only theme I could find is meteorites coming down and people overreacting. That's it. That's that's a loose straw. So so I'm so sorry. They're all all my movies are from the '80s. Um, I tried. Not to in the comments. Not in the comments. Uh, <laughs> no, that's that's actually kind of a good horror movie though. But um, is that the one where everybody dies and turns to dust, and then it's like yeah, everyone turns to zombies. Yeah. Everyone turns to zombies except the one the one girl and like a her, couple of her friends. But she's like punk rock girl, right? Like I forget. Yeah, I, she kind of they try. They, no, they kind of like yeah, they code her try to code her that way. But it's yeah, it's a yeah. good movie though. No, I like it a lot. I haven't seen it in a long time though. I just remember the scene when they're they have a sneaker, they're pouring it out, and there's sand. And you're like, oh, that's not sand. That's a person. It's like, uh, that's like uh, War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise, where he just absorbs people's dust. It's pretty gross. Yeah. Okay. So I might have mentioned some of these last year, but I'm not going to go into too much detail because they're all fun. Um, I'm copying you, Ethan. I got an anthology movie. I have 1982's Creep Show, the original Creep Show. Um, I think I mentioned this last year, but I, like you guys, I want to bring it up again. For a couple reasons. One, um, the show on Shudder has been doing really, really well. I still haven't watched it, but people kind of like it. And Anthology Horror is back. And the, this is one of the king daddies of the modern anthology horror. 
George Romero is one of the best horror directors who ever lived. It was written by Stephen King. When I, he was, I'm just going to go on a limb and say he was probably coked out of his mind. Um, starring Stephen King in one of the shorts, but we'll get into that. Um, you guys have both seen Creepshow? Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen this? So. That's the, uh, it's the, the framing device is kid reads a comic book, the comic book gets thrown away. Uh, it's what's really fun about it is again, it's, it's horror, but it's funny horror. It's really funny. Uh, you have, you have one story of course with, um, uh, Ted Danson and Leslie Nielsen involving oh, man, being yeah, buried. You have, uh, the fluffy, the crate where a man decides to get rid of his, uh, bitchy wife by sacrificing her to a creature in a box. Uh, spoilers. Uh, you have, uh, goodness gracious. Uh, you have cockroaches. You have all this stuff. I'm not going to spoil it. If you haven't seen it, it's available on everything. You can find it somewhere. Um, but real quick, my favorite, my favorite of all the stories is either the cockroach, the the uh, hygienically obsessed man with the cockroaches, or Stephen King giving the greatest performance yeah. in cinematic history. Do you remember this, where he plays the the yokel who becomes? That's my favorite of the. That's my favorite of the shorts. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, a meteor comes down and he decides he wants to sell it, but he's he's I don't I can't describe his performance. I don't even know if it was a performance. I think he was literally coked out of his mind, and that's the how... lonesome death of Jordy Vero. Vero. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, we won't spoil it for you, but let's just say mossy everywhere, mossy mossy. Um, yeah, I love George Romero, and there's two skits with zombies in it too. Although none of the zombies actually eat anybody. There's one with a birthday cake. <laughs> And there's the other one with fish. But yeah, nobody eats anybody. And um, I just got to give a shout out to a Pop Zara uh, favorite, Tom Savini, who does the practical effects and creature effects. He's in the movie as a garbage man. And he does some he does all the, the, the puppets. And of course, you know, Tom Savini has been on this podcast before. Thank you, Tom. Uh, but yeah, Creepshow 1982. Have you, you guys have any memories and, of it? And Adrian Barbeau is in the crate one. Am I correct with that? Yeah, it's a, there's a lot of really good actors that are either coming up yeah. or are on the way down. The, the, um, this is probably, it might be the most consistent um, um, anthology horror movie that I've seen. Uh, just as far as like everyone, every one of the shows, because every once in a while you'll get one, there's like a couple duds and stuff. Yeah. Um, but this one, I, pretty much every vignette in here is really, really good. Well, there's, um, yeah, there's memorable at least. Yeah, they're memorable. They're all well done. I mean, one of them, the crate goes on a little too long because it's like forty minutes. But yeah, um, yeah, that's probably the week, the weaker one. But. Little, little fun though. Uh, the kid is Steve, the, the 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 plays the kid. That's Stephen King's son, Joe Hill, who's now a famous writer who does television shows for Netflix. Huh. He does. Um, was it Lock and Key? And he did. Um, in fact, he wrote this. He wrote the. Uh, who was that director? Was it? Uh, who did we just talk about? Was it Fede Alvarez or was it the other one? He did the movie Horns with Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, oh yeah, that's uh, with the the one the guy who did um, yeah the that's, oxygen. So yeah, yeah, that's uh, the French guy. That's Joe Hill. That's the little kid in this movie. He grew up to become a writer. It's uh, oh, yeah, cool. yeah, he's pretty cool, and he's um, he's creepy like his dad. So go figure. Have so, you seen the sequel? Uh, yeah, I was going to ask about that. So the Creepshow 2 has nothing really to do with the first one it's by all different people, but it's fun. It's got some good stories in it. Um, the best story is the lake one. You remember that? The Yes. that's. There's only three stories in that one, right? If I'm yeah, and some really, really crappy animation, like really poor, yeah. like Hanna-Barbera, like sub-Hanna-Barbera animation that really makes it look cheap. And um, they have like a Crypt Keeper kind of character that was – 
Yeah, yeah. the makeup is terrible. It's pretty bad. Yeah. But it's but fun. Like two or three stories, though, I think, too, like uh, in total, versus this one had like five or six. And but then uh, the sequel only has like two or three, I think. I will say this, though. Uh, there's a movie called Creep Show 3 that you should avoid, like the plague. Just yeah, I've never seen that. Don't one. touch it. It's not good. It's, has not, it's just not good. But do see a movie called Tales from the Dark Side. Tales from the Dark Side is basically Creep Show 3. It's from the same people from Creep Show. Um, Stephen King came back to write, and uh, the framing device is the best of all three. It's got Debbie Harry from Blondie as a as a witch woman who's trying to cook and eat a child, and <laughs> so he distracts her by reading from this uh, by telling her stories. But um, but yeah, it's it's a fun time. It's got some really good really good stories in there too. It's um, not as good as not as good as the first creep show, but it's really good. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And I have not seen the Shutter series, but I have heard it's better than than pretty much any other horror anthology out there right now, which is not saying a lot, but it's saying something. So, yeah, I've heard good things of that about that one too. Do you have Shutter? Does anybody have Shutter? I do not have Shutter. I don't have Shutter either. I gotta get. I guess I gotta get Shutter. No, I don't have it. There's some good stuff on Shutter. It's just like I said, it's 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 hard because streaming stuff bumps around to service to service, so it's hard keeping track of where stuff is. But. Um, but yeah, Creep Show 1982. Check it out. Uh, it's pretty easy to find anywhere. My second movie. Now, Ethan, I, I apologize. You and I talked said we were going to talk about this as a separate episode at some point. We That's still okay. can. We still can. Uh, but I really want to talk about Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Uh, Thank you. 1986. Because um, I'll be damned. This franchise has come back. I don't know how that happened. I don't know what happened. If I, if someone's like, if I won the lottery. But they're turning Killer Clowns from Outer Space into a mainstream franchise. I don't know how that happens. So I'm actually excited about it. I, right. I, these other ones, I'm like, eh. But I think if the Kyoto Brothers are doing it, I think it'll be fun. At least. Well, like they, they, I remember I saw the pop-up they did at the Spirit Halloween stores. I hate that store with a passion. But I have friends who shop there. But I saw Killer Clowns there. I just couldn't believe it. Uh, they just announced there's a game coming out next year. Um, nice. You told me that they the soundtrack you bought it on vinyl. They had a new. I bought it. Yeah, I have it on vinyl. It's a pink and yellow disc. Yeah, um, and it's awesome. I mean, I I, I saw the to box it. art. Did you see the box art of that yeah, thing? The I, vinyl art. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. I have it. I have it. Uh, yeah, I listened to. It. I it's a, and it's like really the the composer. I'm blanking on his name right now, but he uh, you know he was very in, uh, inspired by obviously like circus themes. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of like Calliope and like that kind of instruments in there. And it's like a really fun score. Christian, did you, did you ever see Killer Clowns? Or do, or do we sound like maniacs to you? I haven't seen it. I have seen the, the, the trailer and it looks really bizarre, but no, I haven't seen it. <laughs> Definitely. You got to see it. <laughs> it's uh, it's one it's of those, it's one of those movies where like the title is both what it's about and the plot. Like, you don't need a summary. It's just about killer clowns from outer space. That's snakes it. on a plane. Yeah, snakes on a plane. Like, they don't tell you how they get there. They don't tell you why they're there. They just show up, and they kill, and they get killed, and they do wacky clown antics as they kill. And I know um, you, you talked about Art the Clown, and the makeup on that looks sensational and looks really scary. These clowns are iconic, but I never really noticed they don't really move very much unless they have to. <laughs> like, their faces yeah. are kind of stiff. <laughs> But um, but uh, I love the Chiodo. We used to call them the Chiodo brothers, but there's like 10 of them. There's a lot of Chiodos. There's like the brother, yeah. the sister, maybe the wife. There's like five of them. It's like the Jacksons. 
And they did so much stuff during the 80s in the backgrounds. Like, they did Large Marge from the Pee-wee movie. They did, um, oh goodness, they did the dinosaur sequence. They did all the stop motion and RoboCop. Not the stop motion, not ED-209, but like the commercial stuff. Um, yeah. And I was shocked as hell. They're still doing it. They, they made a movie today that would you'd never guess was them. They, made, they helped make that Marcel the Shell with shoes on. That very gentle movie about this, the shell going across America. Like, I, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. Um, That's amazing. But, uh, but yeah, so Killer Clowns from Outer Space, it's very funny. It's very cheap. It's very low budget, but it's very cheap. It's, uh, it's directed, it was filmed in one of those little cities that you only find in California. Like, like if you go up the coast, like, you know, those little beachfront cities, like there's like a thousand of them. And it's, the stuff's still there. I was like, checking it out the other day. It's still pretty much as it was in the 80s. What city is it? Oh, goodness. It starts with W. You have to look it up. Uh, look up filming locations. But it's it's there, and it's like a sister city. I want to say maybe Santa Cruz, like next to it. But you know, you know what I mean? Those lazy cities where the temperature is always kind of the same all the time. It's pretty gentle, and there's a downtown. And the, like half of the 80s horror movies were filmed in cities like this. Like if there's any zombie movies, any horror movie, any Critters movie, any Killer Clowns movies, any Ghoulies movies, it always takes Lost place. Lost Boys. Yeah. Like, where can we get a cheap set that that's awesome, that has, you know, that has a gazebo and a downtown that we can run down? But I don't, I mean, I don't know how to explain it. The movie is pretty much all visual gags. Like, you know, like the one clown that can turn balloon animals into real things rather than they, they cap, they shoot. Okay, let me, let me start over. Christian, let me just give you, okay, I lied. There is a little bit of a plot. The, the clowns come down and they shoot you with a popcorn gun. And the popcorn gun can turn you into a cotton candy cocoon, of which they use crazy sippy straws to drink your blood. And the only way to kill them is to bash their nose, of which they turn into sparkles and glitter. Mm. And that's pretty much the plot. Yeah. Okay. It's definitely all about, it's all vibe and like tone and like just gags, but it's so fun. It's like, it's definitely one of a kind. There's nothing out there that's like this. No, there's really not. That even tries to be like this, yeah. Because you mentioned, like, with Art the Clown, like, the, when the filmmakers know how to do makeup, it looks better. Like, these guys, mm-hmm. all they do is, like, stop-motion animation special effects. And so they have every single trick you can think of to, to put gags on the screen. Like, shadow puppets that eat senior citizens. Like, clown <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah. Or what about when they take uh, John Vernon, the great John Vernon... They turn him into a, a dummy. Speaking of ventriloquist, he puts his hand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He shoves his hand in his back and turns him into a talking dummy. And it's all gags. It's all fun. It's it's. There's a body count. The body count's really high, but it's not really that bloody. And then then they have to battle the, the spoilers. They have to battle the giant clown, which is Clownzilla. <laughs> it's called Clownzilla. But um, okay. and then they they kill. The, remember, they kill the security guard with the acid cream pies, and then the one yeah. walks by and just puts the giant cherry on top. Like this movie sounds like the dumbest movie you've ever heard. It really does. It really sounds stupid. And then the soundtrack kicks in, and then it's all right because this is one of the greatest soundtracks of any '80s movie that ever was. Um, the theme song, which I played a little bit at the beginning, but but even you know how great that theme song is. Yeah. 
There is a. Yeah, me, it's it's really good. What's what's the composer's name? Did you have it there? Uh, the, well, the composer was I think John Masari, but um, Masari, it, that was him, yeah. And he did another movie. I think you and I are going to talk about at some point. A movie I'm trying to resurrect from the dead that nobody's ever heard of, um, called The Wizard of Speed and Time. But, oh yeah, you've told me about this. But he, I didn't know he acted in that too. So he's a he's one of those like composer slash actors that that no one's ever heard of, but. Yeah, um, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. You probably, like, if you're listening to this, you've probably seen it, or you think you've seen it, or maybe you've seen one of the, the clips from it because it's pretty famous. But give the movie a chance. Sit down with it. It's really goofy. It's really silly. It's one of those high-concept, low-budget movies. And you know what's really sad before I head out? The movie was like a massive box office success. It made like 20 times its budget. And I think, and I don't understand what happened, like why it didn't become a franchise back then. I don't get it, like... Because, you know, every every Tom, Dick, and Harry horror movie that made money had, like, ten sequels. And this had nothing. And I think it's about yeah, to. It, it also, it was, like, a time when a lot of the franchises were kind of dwindling. Like, mm-hmm. you had, you you know, before in the early 80s, every year you had a new Friday the 13th. But then I yeah. think by 86, 87, it was starting to, get, you know, every two, three, four, five years even eventually. But, um yeah, so I, I I don't know. I think it just had to do with the, the, the industry change. Well, I'm not I, I'm not upset though. I'm not upset. Like I don't want a franchise really out of this. And I'm scared. Yeah, kind of kind of makes what the they're gonna do better. Yeah. I mean, I hope you don't mean. I hope you don't misinterpret what I'm saying. Is like this is a great movie. It's not. It's goofy and it's silly and it's it's stupid in a lot of ways. But it's fun. It's fun because yeah. it's so creative. Like you see every dollar on the screen. Like they're really like every idea that you see. It's crazy and it just keeps getting crazier and crazier. But um, it's not like it's not what you would call like a premiere film or anything, and, and all and all better for it. It's really cheap, but I love it. I love Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yeah, so it's fun. But I don't want to see it at Spirit Halloween anymore, please. <laughs> no, that's just that's like hot topic. I just that's where that's where good things go to die. So, but uh, let's see. I got one more, and this one I really wanted to talk about, but I don't really have much to say because I don't know what to say. 1986's Night of the Creeps. Has anybody seen this one? Uh, this is my favorite 80s horror movie. Are you serious? Sounds familiar. I'm dead. I'm dead serious. This is my favorite. Oh my god! Really? I okay. I'm I'm very happy right now. So, um, yeah. So, well, what do you? So, what would you say the plot of Night of the Creeps is? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is it your favorite? Uh, So. So basically, um, it, well, first it starts in the fifties. Was the fifties right? No, it starts in um, space. It starts in outer okay. space. Yeah, on it, a space, it ship. space. But basically, but basically, like the opening, the first few minutes are in the fifties, and it's black and white. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, yeah, was it like the aliens? There's like these alien slug, an, 80, an alien slugs basically um, take <laughs> over this dude, and uh, he, beca- he essentially becomes like a zombie. And then he gets frozen somehow, and then we fast forward like thirty years in modern day, and it's this um, the main actor. He's in one of the vacation movies, you know. Which one are you talking Remember? about? The the boy or the the boy, sheriff? Yeah, the main the main guy. No, not Tom Atkins. Oh yeah, the, Ronald Jason, Jason Lively. Lively. Yeah, he was in. Was he in European Vacation? European. Yep. Am I wrong? Okay. Yeah. So. He's the main guy, and his best friend's actually, um, he is, has a disability, and he's, like, legitimately, mm-hmm. and it was, like, the director's, like, I just wanted to have a character with a disability, and it was pretty cool. Back in 1986, it was pretty awesome. But um, 
and he's like one of the coolest characters in the in the movie. And so as, essentially, this guy's at, the main character's after this girl and she's like you know super pretty and like he's you know kind of you know standard 80s goofball Mm -hmm. and uh and uh you know the slugs start they oh they they go to steal for some reason they end up in the laboratory where this old zombie is frozen they're hiding out i think from like these frat guys her her the girl's boyfriend who wants to beat him up or something and then that uh this and that happens and then they unleash accidentally this zombie who then starts spreading these slugs to everyone in town. And it's very much like the blob meets uh, Return of the Living Dead in a way. It's kind of in a, in a weird way. And it's mm-hmm. so it's so in touch with its comedy and its horror. And I think it's just like the best uh, iteration. This and Return of the Living Dead, I think, are like think the so. two best I think this comedies. is a I think this is a much better movie than Return of the Living Dead. Although yeah, yeah. but but like I it's I know it's still a cult classic. I don't think it's ever broken out of that. But um yeah. Uh it was directed by Frank Drecker. Is it Drecker? Oh yeah. Yeah, Decker. Yeah, and who did uh Fred Decker who did um uh Night- Nightmare 3, right? Well, no. Am I wrong? No, he did um he's mostly known for touching up scripts, but he most famously directed Monster Squad. And, a Monster Squad. That, that, yeah. My bad. I'm thinking and, uh, of um, uh, Russell. Yeah. Oh, don't, don't. No. Yeah. Yeah. Then Robocop. Right, Monster Squad, then Robocop yeah. Three. <laughs> so. And Robocop Three. Um. Yeah. For, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, he very, came back though a couple years ago. He tried to do that new Predator movie with Shane Black. Do you remember? That's right. Yeah. Um. But it, yeah, because well, Shane. I, you want to hear a surprise? Shane Black's in and he this wrote, movie. He's in he wrote Monster Creeks. Squad too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, you know which movie I was thinking of? He he contributed to House also, which is another one. Oh, yeah. Of my well, you know what's funny? House and House 2 are are completely different. Like, they're completely separate. Oh, yeah. But um, but House um, 2 has the dead grandpa who goes out, yep, ho- exactly. who goes out, who goes out whoring. <laughs> Remember, he tries to go pick yeah, up chicks. House, House 2 is literally just a comedy movie. It's not even like, like a horror at all. There's no horror elements no, in that no. movie. No. Um, yeah, House 1's fantastic i love them that's both though I, I like them both I am, yeah yeah, yeah. Th- that's another one i have on vinyl but yeah house one is that's the all the uh, friday the 13th squad on that the the behind the scenes guys but I, um I yeah back say, to night of the creeps though yeah. you got tom atkins by the way yes who, he's the, uh, he, well he's the real star can we just say that probably probably my favorite 80s horror horror mainstay um he was also in halloween three he's in so he was stuff. in the fog yeah um, this guy's so good, and he's just. This is his best performance, though. So, um, what does he say? I got good news and I got bad news. Um, your date. The good news is your dates are here. The bad news is they're all they're all zombies. No, he's yeah. Like, he's like they're dead. They're like, dead. Yeah. Like that's the trailer line, you know. But but he's got this thing where he plays right. this. Um, he plays this gruff, like you know, prototypical like mustache like hard-boiled detective like from a different era like he could have been from a he could have been from a noir from the 40s and well, that was the thing he was in the 50s he was yeah, the cop in the 50s he was the cop in the 50s at the beginning of the movie yeah and he's not shocked by anything and he's got this tagline that doesn't really work he's like thrill me he just thrill me thrill me and he's, he's a zombie <laughs> thrill me like oh your boyfriend's here he's making he's cracking wisecrack but it's it's not quite the evil dead formula but it's close you know what i mean it's that horror comedy where you know, you have people mocking, but the gore is so gory. It's very gory, by the way. Can we just say that? Like, the the practical effects yeah. are really, really good. Um, this movie, this was one of two movies I saw in the 80s that actually scared me. Um, this and Day of the Dead were the two movies that actually legitimately scared me because of the gore. 
Um, but I love them both now. They, they don't scare me at all. Now I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm gonna, how does that make? But um, yeah. so you, Christian, you've never seen this? Sorry, I was on mute there. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think I have. It's weird. I remember growing up, and my parents. Uh, I grew up in a lot of horror films. So I think I may have seen it when I was younger. I, but like the title sounds familiar, but everything you guys are describing isn't ringing a bell. Hey, I just no. I don't, well, I'm, you if know, I have. I don't remember. Well, that's the thing though. Everything we're describing is generic. Like that's that's the thing. Like this movie is. If I I think this is the problem, Ethan, is that everything this movie is doing has been done elsewhere. You know what I mean? You've yeah. got the horror comedy. You've got the the funny performance. You've got the nerds in the girls. You've got the taglines. You've got all that stuff. But this has a little bit of everything. And so it, for some people, there's like nothing that stands out in some ways. Yeah. And even the title, it's like Night of the Creeps. That could be like any zombie movie. But I think for me, I think that's where the beauty comes in. It, it puts the onus on the filmmaking and on like the parts coming together. And I think it does that better than any other. I think it's the perfect. It's if you love horror comedy, like especially '80s horror comedy, I think this is like the paradigm for that. I think it's the best iteration of. It's the. It's like they were working every horror comedy before this was trying to get to Night of the Creeps. In my opinion, I think it's. It's a prototype. Yeah, it's definitely a prototype, and um, but it's one of those wink, wink, nudge, nudge movies because I like. I'm, yeah. I'm reading the the synopsis real quick. It's one of those movies where like all the main characters are named after a horror director. It does that, which again, yes. oh that's right, which yeah. they all do now. They all think they're all clever and they all do that. But you know, you got characters named Romero, Raimi, Carpenter, Landis, Hooper, Cronenberg, Cameron, Miner, Craven, and Bob. Literally Bob? every character, Bob? every character is named. There's even a character named Walt. Dick Miller's character is Walt. <laughs> Walt's like probably like named after Walt Disney. Sure. But it is. Legi- but here's the thing: it's legitimately a creepy movie, though. That's the thing. Like, it's it is a good. I don't want to call it a zombie movie, but it kind of is. But it's kind of not because, you know, the little little creatures. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's. Again, it starts off on an alien ship, and it ends up in modern eighties. It's it's different. It's different, and it's a lot of fun. It's very quotable. But my question, because well, Christian, you haven't seen it, but Ethan, you love this movie. Do you want them to revisit this, or do you kind of want them to leave it alone? And I'm always the, on the. I'm usually on the train of. I would love to see a follow up. Um, however, uh, I don't really think. Well, Tom Atkins is still around, so I mean, I'd just love to see him do revisit this character. I guess so. I wouldn't be against it. He's still I'm, alive. I'm, yeah. He's still alive. How old is he? Oh, I don't. He's got to be. He was old back then. Hold on. A yeah, second. I think he's just great early. I think he was an early gray guy. Eighty six. Yeah, he's still kicking. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm always the kind of guy who I, I'm cool seeing a sequel to a movie I love because I like, I'm, I'm, I can easily separate the two. Like Bill and Ted face the music. Bill and Ted's my favorite movie of all time. Face mm-hmm. the music. I wasn't thrilled with, <clears throat> excuse me. But, um, at the same time, it, it was, it was worth watching to me. I, it didn't ruin, it doesn't detract from the original. By any well, so I mean, I wouldn't mind it. Well, they got all these legacy sequels now where it's like sequels 30 years later, where it's, it's kind of cliche a little bit, but you know they're they're talking they're going to bring back killer clowns whether we like it or not. You know they're going to mm-hmm. bring I I assume um, I assume at some point we're going to see you know um, Night of the Living Dead reappear at some point in some version. You know we're going to have like I'm it's just we're kind of condemned ironically to see these zombie movies reanimated against their will a little yeah. bit. But um, but no I Night of the Creeps is special because it is it's. How do I say it? I want to go back to what Christian said about uh, the about the uh, the terrorizer movie. 
like it's it is what it is because it's exactly what it's supposed to be and i think the limitations of the budget and the limitations of the 80s you know technology and everything i i don't see this movie being any f- scarier if you have cg you know um leeches coming out of somebody's mouth like it's all yeah. visceral. It's it's it looks cheap in some ways, but I like the cheapness. I like the way the film looks. It looks like a nineteen eighties movie. It's comfort food a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't want to see and it I, improved. And I don't think they could do. And even if they tried to do it with practical now, I think it would almost be too self-referential. I don't. You know what I mean? A little too uh, cheeky. Whereas I think back then it was more organic. Um, also, again, like Fred, uh, Fred Decker still around too on top of it. So, I mean, I if they if they did it, it'd be I wouldn't I wouldn't complain. I'd be into it. But um, well, it'd be cool to see him. I mean, I I love Monster Squad as well. I was gonna I say like it. I actually think Monster Squad is his best movie overall. Um, and That's Monster Squad, if they remade it now, it would be sterilized. It would it would you know what I'm talking about? It's just oh it, yeah, it wouldn't like. Have you seen Monster Squad, Christian? I have not, no. Oh, there's there's a little scene when Dracula picks up a little girl and calls her a bitch. Like, that wouldn't happen. Or the chunky... You know, because every... You know that formula where in the 80s, like, we're, we're a bunch of friends, we're riding bikes, and we gotta, we got to save the world against the monster? The Stranger yeah, Things the formula? Stand by me, the stand yeah. by me thing. Yeah. You want to see a body, you want to do the zombies, you want to do the... Like, the, the, the kid who was the prototypical chunky one gets called the F word a couple times. Yeah. And by today's standards, he's not fat at all. But, you know, the F word is not fat, by the way. It's the other F word, the bad one. Yeah. We don't say it. But if that happened today, it would be sterilized. It wouldn't happen. Like, they they wouldn't do it. And yeah. But the 80s, they didn't care. <laughs> like, they yeah. didn't care. So as long as they don't go back and edit it and try to do that, I'm, I mean, I'm okay with seeing a, a remaster, but I don't know about a remake. I'm too old-fashioned. Yeah. I'm yeah. Old. But... But yeah, 19, uh, 1986's Night of the Creeps, uh, one of my favorite, not not quite as big a fan as Ethan, but pretty big since it's my pick. Night of the Creeps, definitely worth watching. Just remember, it is an 80s movie, so set your brain backwards a little bit, and you'll be very, very happy with it. So, Another good companion piece would be The Blob, hmm. I think, too. So oh, yeah, which we talked about last year. Good, that'd be a good double. You know what's crazy? Um, I almost thought about mentioning The Blob, but like, if you watch Killer Clowns from Outer Space, I told you all my movies have something from space coming down. Like That's my theme. But they all kind of copy The Blob. Like It's that yeah. scene where somebody sees The Blob, old man comes out with his dog, investigates, and gets wrecked. Like That's something that a lot of these films have in common. Like So if you see a meteor come down, if you see something fall from the sky, stay the hell away from it. Don't go because you're going to die. Some some creature is going to come out and dissolve you, or or infect your brain, or eat you. Just leave leave it to the hell alone. Let somebody else deal with it. Stay away. So, but I think that's it. Uh, I think so. so. Under two hours? Did we make it under two hours? I think so. With editing, even less. We can edit out all the cra- uh, the crappy look movies. At that. Look at us. So, there we go. So I think with that, I just want to thank everybody. We've had a bunch of movies from spanning seventy years of cinema. Thanks to Ethan. If, if it's just Ethan, if it's just Christian and I in the last 30 years. So thank you for the time travel, Ethan. Appreciate it. Uh, Christian, yeah. thank you very much. I think um, you, you, I think you were the only ones, your, your movies were the only ones that were actually terrifying. <laughs> so um, no Don Knotts for you. No, uh, <laughs> no Don and no, I don't think Don Knotts shows up in Wolf Creek. Would it be funny if he did? Like, you ever notice like a lot of these <laughs> comedy actors always try to do the serious role? Like, what if Don Knotts ever tried a serious role? Can you imagine that? 
yeah. The Academy Award no, winning John Ross. He opened his eyes too wide one time, and I'd, I would be out of the movie already. Yeah. I'm sorry, Don. We love you who you are, but you, you are limited as an actor. But yeah. in a good way. We love limitations. Um, any final any final shots for Halloween 2022? Uh, Ethan, final shots. Yeah, watch Scooby-Doo. Which one? The, the original one. The, ori- the first three series. That means Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Uh, the Scooby Doo, the all new Scooby Doo movies, and uh, and uh, what was the third one? The, the third one's actually the third series. Well, one just another one just came out, didn't another Halloween one? But um, yeah, I don't watch the I don't watch the new ones. Well, but, uh, me, I hate I, I hate that I have to say this, but like, are we watching the Scooby Doo when Velma was a lesbian, or Velma was black, or Velma was white? <laughs> what was black? Why was she black? She's black. Well, she's she's South Pacific. She's she's uh, Indian now. Oh, is that what? The, oh, I got you. I got you. Yeah, like like saying. you can. It's like um, the trees of a ring. You can tell how old the Scooby Doo is by what Velma is. She yeah. changes with the times. She's yeah. the barometer the, the, of culture. The third series is called the Scooby Doo Show. That's I, I think that's the best iteration of Scooby Doo. If you're gonna watch, if you're gonna binge a Scooby Doo, they got some pretty. It gets pretty creepy too. Like my son can watch the first series pretty good. That third series, though, he sometimes he's like, I don't want to watch this anymore. Don't watch the James Gunn Scooby Doo's. Don't the yeah, don't don't watch James Gunn Scooby Doo's. <laughs> There's like two of them, right? But um, yeah. All right. Well, Scooby Doo Doo, uh, Christian. Final thoughts before we head out. Final thoughts. Uh, yeah, we already mentioned it. I'm just gonna like plug it again because it is, uh, in my opinion, the best werewolf movie ever made. Uh, mm-hmm. Go and see Dog Soldiers as well, uh, directed by Neil Marshall. It's uh, it's brilliant. Guys in suits once again. Practical effects. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, dog soldiers. Dog soldiers. Uh, awesome. And I was going to say, if I didn't pick Night of the Creeps, my alter- my other alternative would have been um, American Wolf in London by John Landis. Oh, yeah. But but there was no meteor in it, though. Just a moon, but no meteor. So yeah. I needed to keep my themes. But yeah, dog soldiers is awesome. And uh, with that, my final thoughts would be like, I recommend all the movies on here, even the ones I haven't seen. Um, but yeah, if you don't want to watch Night of the Creeps, but you want to see a good uh, Decker movie, then watch Monster Squad. It's per- it's perfect for what it is. Absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. And with mm-hmm. that, you guys, everybody out there have been listening to the Pop Star Podcast. Uh, this has been the special movie time, Halloween Spooktacular. Uh, if you liked what you listened to, there's another episode featuring Asian horror. We'll link to that. And I want to thank once again the special guests, Ethan Bram and Christian Sterling for showing up. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. And with that, happy holiday, happy Halloween, wherever you are at, and unwrap the candy, because there's going to be lots. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Popzara Podcast. Like, subscribe, and share. If you dare. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.